Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this fine program. Today I've got Brooks Childress, and in a few minutes, T.P. Hammock joining me for this Thursday edition of the program. On this Thursday, as we do most Thursdays, we'll talk some NFL football. We'll look ahead to the games. I don't know we'll talk too much more about the one tonight, uh, but we'll talk about a lot of the NFL games coming up this weekend, the state of the NFL. We'll mix in some college football in there as well, as this will be Brooks's and TP's last show of the week. So we'll get to a couple of the big matchups coming up this weekend. Of course, no Auburn game to preview, unfortunately, as this is the bye week now in the sixth week of the season. Auburn, of course, sitting at 3-2, and two, entering the bye. Uh, but we will talk again about some college football, and we'll We'll talk a little Auburn in the Auburn basketball realm. As again, I, I did not get to it yesterday, but still need to tell you about that Auburn basketball schedule. Some of the start times we've we've still neglected to get to that, so we will absolutely get to that today. And in fact, we'll do that in just a few moments. But uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that Auburn basketball schedule. We'll also reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week that will come up in the four o'clock hour. And of course, we'll take all your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free. One triple eight nine Tiger Nine again. Ryan and Brooks with you right now. Brooks, you were out at the high school coach show again last night. Appreciate you for being out there. You're doing a great job with that. It was good stuff, and uh, glad to have you here for another day of sports call. Yeah, I uh, had a uh, great time out there. Got to talk to quite a few of the uh, area coaches, uh, coaching staffs, and so always a great time out there. We appreciate everybody that came out and uh, and checked it out uh, down at the End Zone Bar and Grill. We're going to be uh, going with them for a few more weeks as we continue to head toward. The, uh, the playoffs here at the the end of the month, the start of the November is when you, you turn that calendar to playoff time in high school football here. But, yeah, really great. You got some great football, high school football around the area, uh, you know, the, to, to, tonight, tomorrow, and uh, a little bit on Saturday, too. Uh, you got a game over in Montgomery featuring a couple teams in our listening area. But uh, Lochapoca in action tonight. Uh, they're playing at Beauregard High School tonight due to uh, their the renovations going on there at Lochapoca High School. So they get to uh, host Calhoun tonight. Uh, so if you're looking for something to do tonight, looking for a high school game to go to, highly recommend going out there. Lochapoca is a top-five team in the state uh, in, in 1A. So make sure you go out there and check them out, support the local teams. Um, other than that, uh, it's a busy day. You know, you got you had some college football last night. How about Jacksonville State? They have yeah. not uh, – they they came into FBS and they said, we're going to compete, which leads me to maybe something we can get to uh, at some point, maybe not today, but at some point uh, later on as we get closer to uh, bowl time in college football. But the fact that 
the seasons that Jacksonville State is having, and we've had it in the last couple of years, and you know it's happened in basketball too. But Jacksonville State's having a phenomenal year, and James Madison's having a phenomenal year so far. Neither of them are bowl eligible because they're still in their transition period, mm. and so it it's like you know the NCAA has the rules where it's like you have to be in the in FBS or the Division One in basketball so so many number of years before you can get to either the NCAA tournament in basketball or get to a bowl be bowl eligible. Um, I think there's like a caveat in the bowl side of things where if there's not enough six-win teams that are out there, they would invite them before a five-win team. But still, if you show that you're able to compete, they, you shouldn't have this clause. Because that's what it is. It's, it's the clause in there to make sure that you're able to compete, build your program up for you know to, to get to the point where you can compete with the teams there. And if you're showing you can compete already, I don't know why that the rule is still there. And I think we have this conversation at least once a year. But uh, I'd, I'd love for it to be revisited. Um, baseball playoffs, uh, nothing going on today. Every uh, every wild card series was a sweep. Uh, the Braves know that they're going to play the Phillies starting on Saturday. We know the start times for both games one and two in Atlanta against Philadelphia. And so rematch of last year. It's uh, it seems like deja vu where the Braves won the East really good last year, uh, and the Phillies came in very hot on the wild card. And it it feels like it's it, it hopefully it's a different ending. Um, you know, the, than we saw last year, but it, it feels like the almost the same script coming into it uh, this year. But can't wait to get to, back to some Braves baseball this weekend. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers uh, and just uh, just chat about uh, the world of sports. I, I don't know why you don't want to talk about that Bears uh, Commanders game, Ryan. But you know, it, you're the you're the host, so <laughs> I, I respect your your decisions here. Uh, I mean, it it will be named, and when <laughs> TP comes here, he's a Bears fan. But I think even he does not really want to. Talk talk much about the bears right now uh so we'll see what comes up in the nfl world uh but yeah no you brought up a good point there about the james mass and uh and jacksonville state stuff jacksonville state i don't know if they'll end up winning conference usa but they're and so far so good that's the thing is they're also not eligible for the cusa championship right. game and, and so i mean but just by standing wise i mean they're in good shape right now halfway through the season and then James Madison, it's a shame because I'll tell you what, and this shouldn't be breaking news, they're the best team in the state of Virginia this year. Uh, Virginia and Virginia Tech are not better than James Madison this year. Virginia hasn't won yet, including J- losing to James Madison. And then Virginia Tech lost to Marshall earlier this year. So James Madison and maybe even Liberty are better than Virginia and Virginia Tech this year. Uh, so that so that would be a shame if they're they're not in bowl games because they certainly should be. And again, we've talked about that rule a little bit. I'm not exactly sure why that is. I can see it on the reverse. Like if you were going down to a FCS, you can't just poach a national championship or yeah. something. Uh, I can certainly understand that. But if you're having to bat up, if you're trying to go up a, a level, I'm not sure what the what the fault is there. But anyway. Uh, yeah, that the college football again. We're in the midst now. We just started actually forty nine straight days of some sort of college or pro football being on each and every day. Uh, we are in prime time now. We are in our primes this year uh, for the football season, and there'll be some more college games along with that NFL game tonight. Let's start off though today. I do want to make sure we get this in because, again, I've forgotten the last couple of days, admittedly. Let's talk a little bit about Auburn basketball schedule. In the last couple of weeks, it has been revealed, both in terms of the SEC uh, opponents. That was maybe two, three weeks ago, something like that, getting a little bit more distant. And then last week, 
all the times were released for the SEC games, including the majority of the non-conference games, including that Baylor opener in the great state of South Dakota for November the 7th. That will be an 8 o'clock Central start on ESPN for Auburn and Baylor. So we go through some of the highlights of Auburn's schedule and some of the times. Let's start with the non-conference. They're going to have several 8 o'clock games throughout the year and in the non-conference. Just told you about the Baylor non-conference neutral site game. When Auburn plays Notre Dame, I believe that one is up in Brooklyn. That one is going to be 8 o'clock on ESPN2. And then uh, depending on win, lose, the next game would either be at 3.30 or 6 the next day on November the 17th. That Virginia Tech game, the SEC-ACC opener there, uh, 8-15 inside of Neville Arena between Auburn and Virginia Tech on November the 29th. Uh, so just under two months from now. So a little bit of a late one in Neville Arena. They, they do those 6 and 8-15s for the SEC-ACC Challenge, and Auburn's going to be on the tail end of that. The Indiana game, uh, that one is the Atlanta game. That one will be a 1 o'clock Central start time, so middle of the day. I believe that's a Saturday, December 9th. So that's a 1 o'clock start. That USC game, which is in Neville Arena on December the 17th, which, of course, is a Sunday, that is uh, going to be a noon start time. So right there, Sunday afternoon, of course, it would uh, was not going to be right after a college football game, unfortunately, because college football season will have ended, and at least in the regular season. But the uh, USC game will be at noon on December the 17th. And then we know there will be another. This one's going to be tough. I'll just go ahead and tell you, tell you this. Tuesday, January 2nd, to conclude the non-conference slate, Auburn will play Penn in Neville Arena at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock on a weekday against Penn. Uh, that will be a test. And day after New Year's is going to be a test of attendance at Neville Arena. Uh, there is some still t- TBDs, as you can imagine, at Arkansas, at Alabama are a couple of those. For the SEC opponents for the Tigers, because do want to talk about some of the teams that they'll see twice, and some of them are obviously, as they always are, Auburn will play Alabama twice. Those dates are a little different this year. They're moved up a little bit, How uh, pretty close together, honestly. January 24th in Coleman Coliseum and February the 7th in Neville Arena. So still about half conference play to go even after that second Auburn-Alabama game. So not quite, uh, not quite uh, as late in the schedule as it's been running the last few years. Auburn will, of course, play Georgia twice. That will be the end of the conference slate, uh, and both of them will be late. February 24th in Athens, March the 9th in Neville Arena. Uh, other notable deals here, Auburn will play Mississippi State twice. That one January 27th and March 2nd, so good bit of time in between those. Uh, as far as some of the big programs like Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, etc., Auburn's been playing Tennessee really late in the season, and that continues. Not the absolute last week, but Auburn will return to Thompson Bowling Arena again this year, February the 28th, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, so uh, three more conference games after that one, but that is the lone Auburn and Tennessee matchup. As far as Auburn and Arkansas, Arkansas will – uh, be the January 6th SEC opener for the Tigers. That will be in Bud Walton Arena. Auburn does not play Arkansas twice. So that's the only trip there. And then as far as Kentucky, 
Auburn will only play Kentucky once as well. That one will be at Neville Arena, February the 17th, 5 o'clock on ESPN. And so, Brooks, when I just went through a couple of the top teams in the league there that Auburn will only be playing once. So I guess that in some ways is a break, although two of those three will be exclusively on the road, which makes things a little bit tougher. But uh, there's also some 8 o'clock uh, start times in the SEC, uh, including January 31st, uh, 8 o'clock game against Vanderbilt. Uh, so that's another midweek 8 o'clock game. Uh, so that's certainly pretty late there. And then there, there'll be a couple more, uh, but predominantly on the road at Vandy is an 8 o'clock game. So Vandy's another twice team. And then uh, at Missouri is an 8 o'clock game. So with all that, what do you think of some of the SEC schedule there, some 8 o'clock tips in the midweek, that sort of stuff? Uh, you know, uh, some of those TBDs you, you mentioned, I, I think those are still like some of those ORs. Like it could be on ESPN or the SEC Network. And so I think they're, they're waiting on some of those uh, to come in. But it is um, – it's interesting because, you know, you, you look at it. Personally, I'm not a big fan of the the 8 o'clock tips uh, just because it's a later night. Uh, I, I know I'm an old man. I, 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 I am an old man at heart, and I, I just – you know, I, I'm not a – you know, I, I'll stay up and watch them, obviously. But it, it I try to go uh, – you know, I try to, uh, to start winding down, and, and Auburn game obviously would get me, uh, get me wound up a little bit. But – um, when it comes to the fan uh, fan attendance, I really uh, I really like the eight o'clock tips because it gives your fans a chance to get there. The, those six o'clock tips, you know, everybody people are trying to get off campus, people are trying to get you know on campus. It's it's a lot of traffic issues uh, to to get there. But when it comes to the fandom or the the fan atmosphere, the the eight o'clock tips and in, inside Neville Arena are fun. They they get you know like I said allows people to get there uh, and and kind of minimizes the traffic uh, going into the the arena because everybody that's leaving campus uh for the day has already left but you know some of those like uh, it's it it, some good environments there i know you know you you're you talked about you play some of the top teams in the conference but you only play them once and uh they're on the road some of them a lot of them are on the road um yeah, it, it's going to be tough, but I, I think the fact that you only have to play them once is is uh, is good. I, I think that you get a chance to you know not you know I don't want to say beat up on the the teams that are lower down, but get more games against the teams that you should beat. Uh, and then you know at, at the end of the year, you look at that conference uh, that conference record. And you you could have a better conference record than what you would if you played you know like a, a Tennessee twice, you played a Kentucky twice. Um, and it's you know it could be good now obviously those teams are the ones that you're battling for so you would like more uh, another maybe you'd like another chance of you know getting the tiebreakers there if it came down to it but uh you know handle your business have a better record uh have a good sec record um and take advantage of not having to play those the the top teams twice i think that uh, that sets up well for for this auburn team uh, especially when you've got so many different uh, components. I know you've got a couple guys coming back this year that were some of your top, top contributors last year, but you lost a lot from that team last year and a, a team a last year team that was kind of you know a, a little underwhelming in terms of what Auburn's done uh, these past few years. But you you know Bruce Pearl, we've heard from him a couple times uh, coming into the season. He's uh, he is. Uh, optimistic about what he has uh he's optimistic about some of the, the strides that some of these transfers have made in the offseason and so uh you know when you when you look at the schedule i think it, it sets up fine like i said eight o'clock tips at home 
I'm not a big fan of them just because I'm an old man, but it's just, uh, it, you know, when, <laughs> when you get to the, when you get to eight o'clock tip and you've got the student section that's been able to, you know, that's been waiting out there all day long and they get in and, uh, people are able to get uh, more people are able to get there straight off. You know, they don't have to drive there straight from work and get there a little bit late. Uh, I think it sets up for some good environments this year in Sun Devil Arena. Yeah. Again, the, the eight o'clock stuff is just, it's unfortunate because it's just the reality of, Wednesday the eight o'clock midweek game, it's still true that there are a good chunk of Auburn fans that come from Birmingham or come from Montgomery to these games. And when you put them, when you have them at eight on a weekday, uh, it, it's it's going to affect some things from time to time. Especially, like I said, I was talking about like that pen game January second. Uh, they're they're gonna have to try some things to get that place full. That may be that. Uh, hey, anybody can come sit in the lower section. Yeah, game. yeah. I mean, it's it's just difficult. Uh, of course, I'm a night owl, so I'll I'll consume it whenever <laughs> I need to, and uh, be there or, or watch it on TV, whatever. Even if it was later than eight o'clock, I would do that. But see I, Auburn football, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, uh, against Cal. So I, I, but I certainly understand the logistics uh, that become more difficult in the midweek games. Weekends are different. Uh, you can still make a weekend of it, or stay a night, whatever. But the, the midweek late games are something that does test attendance a little bit and test the travel schedules of everybody. So, again, uh, it's not really a formal complaint because I know that it has to be that way for certain schools. Someone's got to play that 8 o'clock time, even in the central time zone. But uh, that is just the reality that it does get a little tougher to attend unless it's a, a, a primo game like an Alabama game or Kentucky game, that sort of thing. We're going to go to our first timeout of the show when we come back. We'll get to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We'll also move on to some football talk. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. T.P. Hammock will be joining us here in just a few minutes. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. The Orthopedic Clinic has been serving the people of East Alabama since 1971 as your go-to center for orthopedic care. Visit them online today at theorthoclinic.com for more information. Give us a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401 locally 
or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. The Orthopedic Clinic is your proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. And with that, we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that um, my team, my Dallas Mavericks, we just lost earlier today, and I'm very, very disappointed on the upcoming season for my Dallas Mavericks as well. So I know it's, I know it's a pregame uh, warm-up for, for my Mavericks, but I think we might make a bounce back tomorrow as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be too disappointed. It's just a preseason game. It's the very first preseason game. Uh, and uh, as we discuss in the sport of football a lot, the the wins and losses really don't matter that much, and and so uh, I would just I would be looking forward to seeing some of those young guys out there, some of those new players, and I wouldn't read too much into the results. Yes, as well because I was just looking at the game and uh, seeing some of the new guys that the Dallas Mavericks had drafted in in uh, last week and last couple of months back in uh in april for the nba draft and i'm not very pleased with the uh, draft choices that dallas has actually picked up from uh from the college standpoint as well we should have never you know picked those good guys from those good colleges as well we should have picked somebody like from a from a you know from other colleges as well like alabama florida georgia tennessee and auburn just to name a few colleges off the off the board as well well they did select a duke player and duke is uh decidedly very good at basketball and Derek lively uh did fill a need as as dallas needed some big players but uh yeah we'll see i know they had a couple other draft picks too but uh we'll we'll, we'll see how it pans out again it's still way too early to tell yeah as well because um i mean we with the Dallas Mavericks uh, basketball team, this is uh, this is Luka Doncic's team, and he was just saying after the game that you know they they really need um, a lot of improvement into the new rookies. So I think that's what he's going to do with some of the new rookies as well. He's going to actually you know because Luka Doncic is a, vet- a veteran player, so he's going to actually teach them the fundamentals of of, uh, of Mavericks basketball as well. Yeah, that's what you want your vets to do. Certainly, you make an impression on the rookies and and help them grow. Yes, as well. And then with the um, with the with the postseason right in in the heat of things, close to the World Series, I'll probably see my Texas Rangers actually make it to the World Series. And um, I do have my World Series predictions. I would like to see the Texas Rangers play against the Atlanta Braves as well. So I'm hoping that will actually come true as uh, as time goes on as well. Yeah, that uh, that would be an interesting World Series and certainly one that I would be a fan of. And uh, the Rangers looked very good against the Tampa Bay Rays these past couple of days and certainly recovered from, from losing that last series of the year to, to not win the division. But uh, they'll obviously be very much tested by the Baltimore Orioles, so it'll be an interesting series. We'll see if Texas can pull through. Yes, as well, because when I was watching the Texas Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays, I was right there with them in the last in the last inning, and next thing you know, they won, and I was jumping up for joy to see what who who we were going to play, and I was like, please let it be the Baltimore Orioles, and it came, it came true for me, and I was happy. I almost lost my voice on that one as well. Yeah, that uh, the winner of that series was going to play the Baltimore Orioles no matter what, just because the uh, Orioles had a bye there. But 
Uh, yeah, no, the Orioles did have the best record though in the American League, so they're they, they're in the playoffs for the first time in a while. But that was a really good team during the regular season. Yes, as well. And then for next year on the WNBA, the WNBA actually put in a brand new schedule for the 2024-2025 season. Uh, the Dallas Wings will host, they'll play their first road game in Golden State. They'll play their first, uh, their first preseason game in 2024 in Golden State. And I think that's going to be a really good uh, schedule for the Dallas Wings. So that's on their schedule for 2024 and the, for the 2024-2025 season of next year. Yeah, I know there is a, a new franchise coming to uh, to the Bay Area and uh, led by the same ownership group that owns the Golden State Warriors. But yeah, I, I'm not sure on on the timing of everything. And uh, but but definitely exciting for the Bay Area to get a WNBA team. Yes, as well because I I mean who I I mean there's a lot of uh, WNBA uh, teams out there that uh, want to you know switch over. I mean who I don't know what teams out there in the Bay Area. Um, it, it could be you know it could be a random choice for the WNBA, but I'm not quite sure on who's gonna who's gonna get that as well. Yeah, I know that, uh, again, I, I don't know too many of the details yet. I know it's still a year or two away from uh, from everything mattering and lining up there, but uh, I just know that it was announced here recently and uh, first time the WNBA has added in a few years, so uh, good for the Bay Area. Yes, as well, and then with Auburn's bye week, I'm actually going to be looking at some film um, over over the weekend. On Friday, I'm going to be looking at some film from Auburn and Georgia and seeing what we're going to do to uh, on the bye week. And then once the bye week is over, then I'm going to like look at LSU and uh, seeing what, what we're going to do, how we're going to stop their quarterback, and uh, what, we're, what we're going to do um, with the injuries as well if we have anybody on, on the injured list and see who they're going to put in replace of those injured uh, Tigers as well. Yeah, well, do you do you like LSU quarterback Jane Daniels? Do you think he's a good good quarterback? Um, I I'm not quite sure on uh, on their quarterback. Um, he's not a really good quarterback like uh, Joe Burrow, and I'm not quite sure that LSU is going to win uh, this weekend as well. So I just have to say no. And then a lot of people were saying that uh, that Daniels was going to be in the Heisman race for it, but I don't see that actually happening sometime real soon as well. I mean, they could give it like to Peyton Thornton or, you know, our new kicker, you know, or or somebody in the, in the Auburn uh, roster as well. Yeah, they, they, they certainly will not be giving it to Alex McPherson or Peyton Thorne. But, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels was definitely on the watch list coming into the season. I think with the two losses early on, he's pretty much out of it. But uh, he still played really well. The LSU's problem has been defense, and they did not look good in the second half against Florida State. They didn't look particularly good against Arkansas, even in a win. And they certainly did not look good in Oxford last weekend. So I would be monitoring how that LSU defense plays against Missouri this weekend. 
Yes, as well. And then um, I'm actually going to be watching the biggest rivalry game in college football. I'm going to be watching the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma the Oklahoma uh, Sooners. That is going to be the biggest uh, rivalry that I've ever seen. And this is one that's near and dear to my heart because I've been watching the Red River rivalry for a long time. And this one is, is on my top uh, watch list as well. Yeah, it's going to be a top 15 matchup. Uh, Oklahoma having a, a bounce-back season from last year, and Texas as good as they've been maybe since 2009 when they went to the title game. So this is going to be a very hyped-up uh, Red River rivalry game, and uh, looking forward to watching Texas and Oklahoma. And of course, this will become an SEC game starting next year. Yes, as well. So I'm going to be um, watching these two teams because I know they're going to be coming to the SEC, and um, when they do come to the SEC, if they do get to – get a huge opportunity to play Auburn. I'm going to actually welcome the Texas uh the Texas Longhorn fans to the SEC as well cuz um th- this is going to be a really uh good thing for us as SEC fans to bring another another university into our home as well. Yep, and uh, again that's that will be happening next year, one year ahead of schedule, so looking forward to Oklahoma and Texas joining the league. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually uh, going to be uh, covering some NASCAR news over the weekend and uh, seeing who's going to who's going to win in Charlotte. So this is going to be absolutely one of the best races that, that I'm ever going to see as well. And um, this is one that's, um, that that I've been waiting for for a long time as well. And uh, yesterday I was watching some highlights from uh, last year's. Uh, Coca-Cola uh, five, uh, 600 in Charlotte, and I think this one would uh, take the cake as well this year as well, so I'm just going to see who's going to win this one this year as well. Yeah, and again, just want to uh, remind you, too, that this one is on the Charlotte Roval, so it is in Charlotte, uh, but it's not the not the Coke 600 that's on the Oval uh, earlier in the year. This is a, a road course, so it's... Uh, it's uh, it's still at Charlotte, but just a, a different layout. Do you, do you prefer the oval or the roval? Um, if it was me, if I was a NASCAR driver, driver, I would probably prefer the road courses as well because they're more they're they're much easier to win as the oval tracks as well. Okay, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I know that there have been more road courses on the schedule, and again, that will continue next year. What else is on your mind? Well, I'm actually going to see um, a lot of different sports on Sunday, um, seeing if my Dallas Cowboys would win. Um, I know we have a huge test against the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and I know this is going to be an easy. Uh, it's going to be an easy game for, for uh, Dak Prescott. So I'm going to just see how he's going to do, and um, I'm, I'm just going to see what's going to happen between now and Sunday as well. And then in my fantasy league, I'm actually 3-0. and So I'm going to make it 4-0 and this weekend. I'm hoping that um, things will look a little bit different for me this year. Uh, so far, so good. Then in the fantasy world, if you're if you're 3-0. and Well, do you have any final thoughts for us today? We have to let you go. Um, well, the only final thoughts I actually have is this coming up Friday, I will be at the Alabama National Fair, so I will call you all on Friday as well. So it's going to be um, a fun Friday for me as well. So I'll talk to you all guys on uh, Friday as well. And War Eagle. War Eagle, James, appreciate that phone call. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take a timeout. 
Back with more right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and now T.P. Hammock with us on this Thursday afternoon. T.P., how are you this afternoon? I'm doing really well. Uh, finished part two of an exam. Uh, wrote a four-page essay involving German history. My hand is in shambles right now. <laughs> uh, and after that, I was rewarded with some great uh, football content as the Big Ten released their 2024 through 2028 schedules and uh, it was and I thought it was a joke whenever I saw it on X or Twitter and uh, but it is real they, they posted it's like now introducing I remember back in June and July we were making fun of the flex uh, protect plus or whatever yeah. they, they, they tripled down on it now it's called the flex protect uh, 18 in Roman, uh, Roman numerals model so I thought that was a joke at first, but then I see it from the official thing, and I'm like, wow, they they really doubled down on that. But yeah, I got to uh, I was really excited with some of those matchups, and uh, yeah, they also I wanted to point out that if you go to the Big Ten's thing, they did it so weird because I'm used to it where like if it's highlighted in gray, you usually think that's away, but that means home, and they did that with yeah. and white is away, and it just. It's about what you would expect. So <laughs> it's about what you would expect. Ask your doctor if you're able to get the Flex Eight or Flex Protect Eighteen plan. Uh, just I, I don't know, man. Uh, but yes, I did see that. And uh, also, whenever you have to say part two of an exam, means that that's probably a no fun exam because it doesn't need to be two parts to any exam. Honestly, so glad you made it here though in one piece. Uh, three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine again to join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Ward damn Steve. Retired Ward damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Apparently, I'm doing much better than TP Hammock. <laughs> oh yeah, my my hand's still kind of in a claw formation from writing. <laughs> Okay, would you like some wine with that? Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. Listen, I've had those days, okay, and nights. So, uh, but, uh, you know, they, they do that. This is what I call professional hazing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's done on purpose. It has nothing to do with how, you know, great a thinker you are or how critical thinking uh, ability you have. It's just merely a process of, of just seeing where you persist and not give up. Well, I, I certainly didn't give up, Steve. <laughs> Well, good. So don't give up. Don't give in. All right, guys. Uh, my time is short. I know uh, uh, the clock is ticking. So let's go today with the good, bad, the ugly. Which do you want first? Uh, ugly. 
ugly, bad, something negative first, I guess. Okay. Well, let's go with the bad first then. And the bad is, well, unfortunately, all the wildcard teams said bye-bye, right? Yeah. No game threes today. Okay. However, however, uh, the the really, I guess, bad thing, now we're going to ugly, is what happened to the Rays? Yeah. Uh, 99-win Rays. Now, before I before I have you your comments, here's why I call this. This is beyond bad. This is ugly. They scored one, one, one lousy run in 18 innings. Yep. All right. They committed. Hold on. This comes from Leach reports. I'm reading this. Five errors in the two games. Yep. And then to add insult to injury, it says here they got roasted by the announcers for what? Here we go. Uh, they almost made history here in their two games, gentlemen. They had a total in the first game of 19,704 fans in attendance. The second game, a whopping 20,198 fans. Uh, this is apparently the two smallest non-COVID playoff crowds since when? Hold on, you see, I wasn't around back then. 1919. Yeah, I read all. I read that. Yep. Now, can you please tell me? Maybe Ryan, you know, because you're from that area, right? Uh, what's with the apathy? Of the Tampa Ray fans. Yeah, so again, I'd certainly go down there a lot. I, I still am from uh, from Birmingham, but I, I go down there a lot, and I can tell you that it it is not as logistically feasible as people think it is to be living in the Tampa side of the bay and then go to Rays games. Right, the Rays are tucked in St. Petersburg, and if you if you are just leaving from downtown Tampa, that will take you about. Uh, 30 to 40 minutes to get to the Rays game. And if you live on one of the suburbs that is north of downtown, uh, it could be an hour. Uh, and, and not necessarily even in 5 o'clock traffic. It would be an hour to get there uh, to the, to that part of the bay and to, to St. Pete. And not to mention, okay, obviously. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I accept that. Thanks yeah. for the education. Yeah. However, this is not a regular season game. This, this is, these are the playoffs. I, I understand. Uh, Don't they have more significance? Uh, they do, but that again, that fan base, and also by the way, that is you know a afternoon midweek game while people would be working, which makes it even less likely. But I mean, any way you slice it, it's bad. I mean, it, it's rough, and the the fan support is is not awesome. Period. And I I just. Again, I, I think to give themselves the best chance, they needed to have the new stadium, which they're going to be building. Um, they needed to have it on the Tampa side of the bay, and and, and just I, I don't know if, I don't know if that area is going to be awesome for a baseball franchise point point blank period. But I do know that it, it is just not been very favorable to to attention there in St. Pete. Well, what did happen to them, uh, guys? Because I, 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 I don't follow the Rays. I, I didn't even know they had 99 wins in the regular season. I mean, that's not shabby at all. Yeah, no, I mean, they they were neck and neck with the Orioles. I mean, they, they led the division for most of the year. I think the Orioles took them in July or August. Uh, How it, they swept so badly? Only one run? Again, yeah, I mean, they played their absolute worst. And, and Steve, I, I know you don't want to hear it, but like that's what happens sometimes in these very short circumstances. We play all these games but within all those games there's outliers and there's bad performances and 
there you have it, a, a nearly 100-win team that didn't even win a game in the postseason because they played poorly and uh, did everything that they normally don't do at the wrong moments. Okay. Thinking real quick with the uh, Major League Baseball and the upcoming uh, weekend uh, playoffs, have you seen Vegas odds uh, for who they think uh, has the best odds to win the uh, World Series? I have not. Okay. The usual suspects, Alabama, I mean, uh, Atlanta has the best odds. Sure. Okay. Now, I was kind of surprised to see the Phillies. They had the third least best odds. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I can looking at it. that, I would say, well, there's no, there's probably it's extremely highly unlikely that they then should beat the Atlanta Braves. Wouldn't you think so if you just went by Vegas odds? Uh, extremely unlikely? No, I wouldn't say that. If you're the third well, best. If you had the third, the third uh, uh, best odds, uh, guess who's second best odds? Is it the Dodgers or the uh, Astros? Houston Astros. Astros. Yeah. And then if we continue going up the ladder, it's the Dodgers. They're right. next. And then after that, we've got the Baltimore Orioles. Yep, who did win 100 games this year. And then after that, we go to the Texas Rangers. And on and on. Sure. So I was reading about you know why, what are the, the reasons that Atlanta should win and what are the reasons they should lose. Uh, what would you say the reason that they would go home? The reason they would go home is that Philly's, uh, Philly's lineup would hit a lot of home runs in that series, take advantage of the Braves pitching staff that's been a little shakier as of late, has one injury in their rotation with Charlie Morton, who absolutely would have gotten a start in this series, and uh, just, just takes advantage of a pitching staff that's not necessarily been 100% here down the stretch. Yeah, well, they said here uh, that some of this may uh, come down to Bryce Elder because he's had a lousy finish. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, his last four or five starts were, were very poor. I think he, he hit a rookie wall. And then uh, uh, I guess you know that because you follow him more better. But uh, Strider, they say he is the best strikeout artist in baseball. Yeah, he led the major leagues this year. Yeah, and broke the Braves' single-season franchise record. Yep. Okay. Now, uh, I didn't know this about uh, the Phillies. Uh, you may probably already yourself know this. But when they were uh, evaluating the Phillies, uh, let me bring it up here. Uh, they're talking about, obviously, their depth in pitching. Uh, but then they talk about, okay, what is their nemesis? And it's, uh, so educate me here because I don't follow baseball, and these categories, uh, to me, are just uh, I'm ignorant. It says uh, the reason they might go home early is um, their outs above average and their defensive runs saved are – or some of the weaknesses. Uh, why is that? Uh, n- not a great defensive team. Um, and and that goes from guys like Kyle Schwarber, who's n- really not even true left fielder. If, if you, he, He's not very fast. He doesn't have a lot of range. And he doesn't even necessarily read the ball well. So he's an absolute target when he plays left field. Now, sometimes they have Pache out there. Uh, it just depends who they want in their lineup and that sort of thing. But if Schwarber's in the field, he's not at all – a good defender, and then you know Harper's okay at first, but he's probably a little below average, and it, it just basically out uh, out saved or, or whatever that second statistic was. That's, that's outs above average. What does that mean? Outs above average. Um, so oh, outs above average. I'm trying to. I know defensive runs saved essentially means that they are 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 not 
an above average defense, outs above average. I I I don't know if I know the definition off the top of my head of that. I don't know if one of these guys do. Um, it is the cumulative effect of all individual plays a fielder has been credited or debted with, making it a range-based metric of uh, fielding skill that accounts for the number of plays made and the difficulty of them. So the so in other words, in in English is. <laughs> Uh, to basically both those are defensive metrics that that insinuate that the Phillies are, are not a good defensive team. Okay, all right, got it. Um, I haven't seen the odds yet uh, for the upcoming. Now, who are the starting pitchers for the first uh, game? Do you know? I would think for Atlanta, they're going to go Strider, then Freed in game two. Uh, since Philly just went Wheeler and Nola, I don't know if they'll bring Wheeler back on three days rest for game one, but he would certainly pitch in game two if he doesn't pitch in game one. Uh, and I don't think Philly's announced that yet. Runs. Do you think these will be low-scoring games or they'll be high-scoring games? Oh, uh, I think it, uh, I, I don't even know which one would benefit who either. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the, the problem with short series like this. I could see Strider and Wheeler or Freed and Wheeler having – a pitcher's duel, but then these offenses are so good, I, I wouldn't think they'd be held down all series. I would lean towards a little higher scoring, but with the caveat that the ace of each staff might still be able to ke- keep a low number down there. Okay. Is, is this the best three out of five? Yes. First two okay. in Atlanta, next two in Philly. Game five would be in Atlanta. Okay. And, of course, series is five, at, uh, five out of seven, right? Uh, the, the, fi- the final two series become four out of seven. Four out of seven. Okay, so the World Series is four out of seven. Yes, and the the okay. Championship Series and the World Series are four out of seven. Okay, all right, all right. Now let's get to something the really good. The okay. only good that I uh, saw here, this is extremely good, is what the U.S. women did in the World Championship gymnastics. You know how they came out, right? Uh, I'm not familiar. Yeah, uh, it happened in Antwerp, Belgium. Uh, and it was yesterday. Uh, the finals, the World Finals in gymnastics. Well, we. The U.S. women earned a record seventh consecutive team title at the Gymnastics World Championship Wednesday night in Antwerp, Belgium. But nice. Simone Biles, she herself, though, did something outstanding. It was not only her 33rd major championship medal across the world, it says, but it makes her the most decorated female gymnast ever. Ever. Yeah, an absolute legend. So I didn't know that she was that that good. I knew mean, she was good, but you know she was that great. Uh, so the U.S. team beat out France and uh, Brazil, and it was really close. They won by a margin of two point one nine points. All right. So that was uh, the good that I want to share with you guys. Yes, sir. And uh, thankfully, uh, I can uh, have uh, less anxiety of it in weekend and uh, just be watching the Braves. Uh, the times have been already announced for the Braves-Phillies game? Yeah, just the first two games. They're going to be first pitch just after 5 o'clock Central, both Saturday and Monday. Okay, so Saturday's at 5 o'clock, and then we skip Sunday? Right, and then Monday game two at about 5 o'clock, too. Okay, those kind of odd times, aren't they? Uh, they stagger them because the late game is the Dodgers out west at 8 o'clock. So, yes and no. They're trying to keep it not too, too late. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's six local time. That's six in Atlanta. So, it's, that's not too bad. Okay. All right, guys. That's it. Hey, thank you again very much for your time. I know my time is way, way up. So, with that said, have a safe afternoon. And uh, Mr. T.P. Hammock. 
Yes, Steve? Don't let them get you down. And, uh, you know, the best revenge against these professors who give you all this handwriting to do is succeed. Thank you, Steve. Keep, just keep persisting, and uh, that'll get you through it. Wow. Bye, guys. Have a safe afternoon, and uh, talk to you again tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call, as always. That is Retired Word Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number one when we return in hour number two. Again, Sports Call's Player of the Week will come up in hour number two, and we'll talk – Uh, We'll talk some NFL football coming up after this timeout. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon, again, we do uh, want to say that the one part of our stream continues to not work. Uh, it's the direct to Sports Call link. It's the the Sports Call Mixler that if you're on the app and you try to search Sports Call Auburn, that part of it's not working. The Tiger 95.9 part of the app continues to work. That is the station, obviously, we come on each and every day, and that is a different stream and uh, it coming up with different results right now. So, again, if you're looking for that stream, the Tiger 95.9 stream, either on the website or on the Tiger Communications app. As we get into hour number two, let's start to talk some NFL here on this Thursday. Of course, this is the main day that we talk about the NFL and kind of go through the state of the league and some – uh, of the matchups coming up this this weekend and tonight. Tonight's game we're going to largely avoid uh, sh- Chicago Bears at Washington Commanders. Uh, the Bears exist. The Commanders nearly had a big victory against Philadelphia. Uh, TP, any quick thoughts? Should they have gone for two against Philly? Were they right to play it through overtime? 
I understand what Ron Rivera was saying. He's like, oh, my guys were gassed and all that. But at the end of the day, it's a two-point conversion. Okay, right. Your guys aren't going to miraculously be like, oh, we're okay after a three-minute break. You know, it's just – I would have gone for two, absolutely, especially whenever you're on the road as an underdog. You know, you're playing with house money at that point. It's just – and you know the Eagles have a great offense and a really good kicker in Jake Elliott. So it was just uh, – yeah, I, I, I thought it was a – I didn't like the move there. Yeah, it – you know, he, he had the mantra in Carolina Riverboat Ron. It felt like that's something he would do is go for two. He's also been an oft-criticized coach. It kind of feels like no matter what he does, he's going to get criticized at this point because I can so see if he had gone for it, which is still what I preferred them to do. But I could see them if they went for it, not get it. He's like, oh, there's Riverboat Ron again. Arr. You know, didn't even uh, didn't kick it and take the take the overtime. And to be fair, it's like they were about a half inch away from an incredible catch around midfield that would have sustained their overtime drive, and, and who knows what would have happened there. Uh, but what Washington-Chicago is the matchup. I will ask you this, TP. I will give you a Bears question, but it's from a different slant. How does it feel to have Carolina's pick on top of your own this year? It is wonderful. <laughs> it's great because Carolina, you know, we all kind of thought before the season, it was like, oh, Bryce is probably going to do pretty well. The Panthers aren't that awful. We know they're we, – we thought their receiving core was bad, and it's it's been as bad as advertised. But I guess that's what happened whenever you lose DJ Moore. And the Bears have decided, you know what, Carolina, we're going to one-up you. We're going to be somehow worse. And <laughs> so we're going to blow a 28-7 to lead to a team that lost by 50 points last week, and then we're going to get smashed in basically every other game. So it's uh, – it's nice to have that Carolina pick because I think it will be very, very helpful come around uh, draft time if we do decide to move off of it or, you know, we could probably get some big haul if one team wants to move up for a Drake May, for say. So it, it's I, I think that was a really good move because even though it's not going well this year, DJ Moore's still under a pretty big contract, so I'm very happy with that trade. Yeah, I imagine that in a few months from now, I'll be asking you how do you want to split up like the first and third pick in the draft or, or something like that. And if three is too high to take Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and all those uh, those great questions. Uh, so let's talk about this slate here for week five. This is the first week of the year that some teams are on the bye. Uh, there's, I believe, four teams on a bye week this week. So uh, we don't have the full slate of 16 games. We'll have 14 games this weekend. Uh, let's go through some of it. There's another London game. The London Jag, I mean the Jacksonville Jaguars playing at 8:30 again. Uh, very successful against the Atlanta Falcons last weekend. They got the Buffalo Bills, a little bit different animal this week. Uh, to, any any thoughts on Jacksonville being there two weeks in a row? Do you think that could help in their advantage because they didn't have to travel? Uh, do you think that they're going to be homesick and just want to get out of there? I just, just because we haven't, I don't know if this has ever happened before, has it? I mean, maybe, maybe years and years ago, but then they didn't play enough games overseas. So, I, to my knowledge, this is the first time we've seen a team have back to back foreign games. I mean, uh, kind of uncharted territory, I would think. Yeah, I think it works. If, if you know, Jacksonville is obviously the team that goes over there the most because their their owners London based, and so you you get them, you know, go over there, uh, you know, a lot. And but if you're going to have them twice in one year, um, I think it works out because you don't, you know, you travel over there, if you come back, and then you travel back over there, 
and you come back. So that's a lot of travel on it on the team. Um, and so I, I think that it's good, you know, keep them over there, uh, you know, keep practice with them over there. I don't know how it how necessarily it, it I don't think it hurts or hinders them because I, I think you just kind of you know it it gets in after that amount of time you kind of get adjusted to you know the the time and um, it it feels just like a normal week um, I, I think that you know the, and especially when you're playing a team like the Bills who are you know you, they kind of put a stop to what the the Miami Dolphins had been doing uh, just you know running through folks the last few weeks the Bills were like yeah you're not going to do that against us. And so they, they showed up last week, beat the Dolphins. Um, I, I think that if, if they were playing, you know, a, a team like around their caliber, the Jaguars were playing a team around their caliber, I think it, it could help them a little bit more because you, you could have a little bit of an advantage there. But, you know, I, I think the Bills are, are too good of a, of, of a team right now to, uh, to have that, that effect or have the, that, that little bit of effect them. I think they're, they're going to be, uh, they're going to come in and they're, it, it's not going to be the same, uh, same result as Jags had this past weekend. And maybe, you know, maybe it's cause they were playing in Andy's room that they got, they were so good last week. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very strange. I, I don't think this has ever happened before where the same team plays in London two weeks in a row. I can't even remember the last time that there was a London game two weeks in a row. Maybe that ha- maybe that happened last year, and I don't remember. But like, I think it's bizarre because it, I'm used to the Jags being there. But the running joke used to be, oh well, they'd always throw the two worst teams over there and let them play and get big numbers, and it was pretty accurate because it was usually the Jags and one of the bad teams. But now the Jags are pretty respected. I would say they're they're young, they're rebuilding under Doug Peterson. But now it just feels like they're over there. And if I was a Jags fan. I'd be I'd be kind of mad about it because I wouldn't want to wake up at 9:30 to uh, their time 9:30 8:30 our time I wouldn't want to wake up that early to watch them play in London again I'm used to it happening you know like once every like two months you know with the Jaguars but like I'd be pretty I wouldn't be too happy about this you know um, I I already don't watch the London games that much I don't wake up early for that but. I mean, it, it. I just feel like it's a little strange that they did it two weeks in a row because I, I always thought it was like once once every like three to four weeks. But to have it back-to-back weeks, I, I, I wouldn't be happy if I was a Jags fan. Yeah, and from Buffalo's point of view, I mean, they were in uh, maybe the most significant game last week where they beat Miami decisively. And... Buffalo, since that week one loss that we lost to New York, they've won by an average of 30 points a game the last three weeks against a one-win team in Vegas, a two-win team in Washington, and a three-win team in Miami. And Buffalo has kind of quickly steadied the ship after quiet doubts. Now, I I was never on board, and I don't think anyone here was with Buffalo is going to have some sort of panicky bad season and ultimately what will determine their success is they've done this enough regular seasons that what they accomplish in the postseason or what they don't accomplish in the postseason will determine the the viability of the season and and if it was a good season or not but jacksonville had a nice win last week against atlanta and, and kind of dominated that one but that AFC South is just kind of weird right now because Jacksonville took one on the chin the week before to Houston, and it has set up a dynamic where everyone in that division is two and two right now. So the schedules will matter who their out of out of division games are, uh, and I'm just not. I, I don't. I don't think anyone should like anybody in the AFC right now. 
There's a, an interesting Titans-Colts game we could get to here between uh, two of the other AFC South teams. All, again, all AFC South teams are 2-2. Two and two. It's It seems like the perception around maybe Indy and Houston is positive just because they so far are playing better than expected. Their rookie quarterbacks are playing well. Stroud's been awesome, but even Anthony Richardson has been uh, much better than I anticipated out of the gates. So it almost feels like you know, right now, Tennessee and Jacksonville, or Tennessee's kind of the old team. Like, oh, are you? Is it time for you to go away yet? Like, we don't want to play with you anymore. That sort of thing. Jacksonville's like, all right, take the next step. When are you going to take the next step? It's time. You, you, you went to the playoffs last year. Be the twelve win team this year. And then with those other two, it's like, oh, look at you go. <laughs> You're off to such a nice start. I don't know how that division will shake out, but it certainly does interest me because I th- I'm targeting that division as the NFC South from last year. Eight or nine wins, I think, will end up winning that division. I think everyone's going to be no worse than six at this point, but no one's going to get above nine, and I just see that being a hodgepodge. Is there anyone that you like in particular of those four? Right now, before we move on to some other games, some other divisions. I, I like Houston. I, I've liked the story. Maybe it's because I'm an Ohio State fan. I like Stroud. But they've been pleasantly surprising. Like, they dominated the Jags, and they really took it to the Steelers last week, even before the, the Kenny Pickett injury, which I maybe you've seen it, Ryan, but I haven't seen any reports about the uh, how severe that Kenny Pickett injury was. But oh, I'm not sure either. Yeah, I don't know if that ever got released. But even before he went down, they were – crushing Mike Tomlin and you know they always have a strong defense you know they they thrive in those like 17 to 14 games but they just kind of handed to him so I've been really impressed with the Texans I've liked what I've seen I was a little little gun shy but even with a bad offensive line and it has been bad uh, but he Stroud's done really well with those um, those receivers and they they did they're just a lot of fun to watch right now I haven't said that about the Texans in them since Deshaun was there, but they they are just a really fun watch. So that's my favorite team out of the AFC South right now. AFC South, I don't know, man. It's it's. Uh, I'm not accusing anyone of being really good. I'm just saying that <clears throat> it interests me because I genuinely I think this is probably the only division right now where all four teams still feel like they should have a shot at. And I know we're not incredibly late into the season, but. Uh, that being said, none of these teams are going to make any sort of run. But I, I still feel like the Jaguars will be able to put it together to, to win this division at the end of the year. But you, I mean, you're you're not absolutely right when you talk about the the, the Titans. It's like they're the, they're the team that they've got they've got talent on the roster, but they're just they're it's just kind of like all right, are you it, you're kind of poking them. You're like, are you going to do anything? Are you going to do anything? Or you know. Um, the the two the two rookie quarterbacks you talked about Stroud and Richardson have had, had had good years so far. Um, I, I still think Jacksonville kind of figures it out at the end and get gets uh, you know win, wins a couple more division games and gets that uh, gets that spot. But man, it, it's uh, that that's a rough. It, it feels like you know, and I think I said this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about it. This feels like what the NFC East was a few years ago, where you were looking at it and you're like, "Man, this is an ugly division. Like somebody's got to win it, but nobody's going to feel good about uh, who wins it." Um, and that's how this is going to. I think this is how the AFC South is going to be. Is like somebody's got to win it, obviously, but nobody's going to feel really good about that team that comes out of there. Yeah, and again, if you're Tennessee or Jacksonville, and the division ends up being won by Indy, 
or Houston, you're going to feel like you're in trouble because those teams should not be competing with you two. Tennessee, we all know this is the last year or two, and then they're going to have a complete rebuild. They probably will be bad for a couple of years. They'll need a new quarterback. Henry won't be able to be the every-down guy he is. and I mean, they'll have to rework everything. Jacksonville's the team where, in theory, they don't have a timetable on it because they've got – a second-year head coach, which, granted, I mean, obviously he was in Philly, but he won a Super Bowl in Philly. Second year with this organization, though, a, tra- a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence that's not been in the league very long that still feels like he's still, at least coming into the year on an upward trajectory, maybe not so far the first four weeks of this year. You got Calvin Ridley in there, who's still in the prime of his career. His only sin was betting on the National Football League. And I, like, I think there would be reason for – the, the the belief that the trajectory should still be going up. So if you end up losing this year, then you have serious identity crisis questions. If you end up missing the playoffs and don't even beat the Colts or the Texans who have rookie quarterbacks that are, are quite frankly looking as good as Trevor Lawrence right now. And, and that would, that would scare me if I was Jacksonville again, this is four games. It's, it's just less than 25% of the season. This is not, you're not finished uh, finished products yet, even at the professional level, but I think it's just it's a little interesting from that division that so far the two teams that are more positive in nature are the two teams that I just gave no chance and no, no thought to this year. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out of the 4 o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll get into some more of these NFL matchups coming up for the weekend, some of the biggest matchups, make a couple jokes about some winless teams like Carolina. Uh, we've already had our day with Chicago. Uh, Carolina's the one that I might focus on coming back. I like the Panthers, but 0-4 without your first-round draft pick this coming year is uh, not a great place to be. So we'll talk more NFL also coming up in just a few minutes. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this timeout. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, TP Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Been a little bit gloomier today, but still no rain around here as far as I've seen. Uh, can I interest you in highs in the low 70s this weekend? Sure. That, yeah. I, you can interest you re- me. You ready for it? I am. TP, you ready for fall? 
I've got, I, I, a, I've I, got I, a whiff of fall for you. I, I'm more of a summer guy, you know. Okay. I, I like to go up to the lake and all that. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, me and my mother are the same way. We, we hate cold weather. So <laughs> that's why we're down here in the south. Yeah, and you know what, <laughs> TP? I, I concur. Everyone, uh, I'm always in the minority. Everyone's always very ready for the cooler weather. And I, I'm fine with it to a point, but. There's a reason I fly south to Tampa for the winter. Anyway, uh, so uh, that uh, that will be a change of pace this weekend. Also a change of pace that Auburn will not be playing a football game this weekend. But we want to touch on something else college football related. And to do that, let's get to this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. USC quarterback Caleb Williams is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The reigning Heisman Trophy winner came up big in the Trojans' win over Colorado, passing for 403 yards and tying his career high with six touchdown passes and a 48-41 shootout. With the win, Williams and the number nine Trojans moved to 5-0 on the season as Williams looks to repeat as the winner of the sport's most prestigious trophy. Caleb Williams is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So there you have it, Caleb Williams Player of the Week this week. Uh, he was awesome against Colorado. They got out to the big league, a big lead. We talked a little bit about it earlier this week where uh, they the defense became optional in the second half. Colorado got back in it and got an onside kickoff just down one score. But uh, Caleb Williams was great again. It's going to be hard to know which uh, until we get these played out which way they're going to go in terms of the Heisman this year. Williams obviously dominated headlines last year, won the award. But Penix and Knicks in the Pac-12, heck, even Cam Ward to a lesser degree, there are some incredible quarterbacks just in that conference, not to mention what Florida State's trying to do with Jordan Travis and all the other – Quinn Ewers, I can name all the other candidates for you, and it, it'd take a while. There's a lot of candidates so far this year that are very interesting, but – uh, Caleb Williams having no problem. It's not been on him. I mean, obviously they're undefeated, but I don't feel like it's going to be on him if they end up dropping. I, I feel like it's going to be on that defense because he's continued to be uh, steady and dominant. Yeah, I mean, you you look at this past weekend against uh, Colorado. I know Colorado's not the most stout defense in the world, but 30 of 40 passing, 403 yards uh, in the air, five rushes for 84 yards on the ground, and he had seven total touchdowns. Had one interception on the afternoon, but – uh, you know, seven total touchdowns. I mean, he he does it all for that offense uh, out there with USC. Um, and, and it's yeah, yeah, like you said, it. If if they end up dropping a game somewhere, or they end up you know not getting into that playoff, it's not going to be because of Caleb Williams. Uh, he is he's just dominant. And we knew, you know, we we saw it at Oklahoma, and we you know it was he, he came in and it was just like wow, this guy's this guy's the real deal. And then and when he he's probably one of the biggest names to jump in the transfer for portal since it uh, became a thing uh jumping in there after lincoln riley left followed him to usc uh and and he's just continued to do great things like he won the heisman trophy last year and then uh you know this year just continues obviously you can make an argument that each and every week you just look at his stats for him to be player of the week every single week because he just has amazing stats almost every single week um, but yeah, th- this past week against Colorado, uh, and then you know also when you know your your defense is, is 
starting to falter there in the second half, letting uh, Colorado back into the game. You held the offense strong, and you were able to uh, help navigate the the, the, uh, the USC team to a, to a win and not let uh, not you know kind of not take a step back and you know get down and be like, oh no, we're we're blowing it. They, he was able to keep that offense kind of steady and. Uh, they they were able to get that win over uh, a Colorado team that has really all the eyes of college football on them uh, right now. Yeah, Caleb Williams is a phenomenal talent. I mean, you just watch him every week and you just see something. You go, wow, he is awesome to watch. And uh, I know he has a lot of power with that as he is draft eligible this coming spring. However, uh, from the word of other people, not himself, but there are some people that are saying that you know if there are if there's a team that he doesn't want to play for, he's going to stay because of uh, NIL. Now, how true that is, I don't know. I I think he will still go, but I just I think it's really interesting that it, it hasn't happened since what Eli Manning to where there was a team where or there was a quarterback with so much talent. We saw it turned out for Eli Manning, but there was a quarterback with so much talent where he can kind of which is very rare in the NFL where you can pick your spots. And now, granted, if he stays, I'm looking at this new USC uh, schedule, courtesy of the Big Ten, and they would it'd be a tough road for them. Uh, you would have to host Penn State. You would go to Michigan. You would go to Washington. So I, I think, like I said, I, I do think he's going to go to the NFL, but uh, I think that's a really interesting um, aspect of the story. Yeah, I, no idea how – I mean, I don't know who will be the first, but it kind of feels like – since a few different variations have happened in the past, granted not in a while, not since that, I guess, that Manning and Rivers stuff. But with NIL, I mean, if you make a few million, you're not making too far off of what you'd make as a rookie in the NFL. Now you forego, that's another year that you have to be on a rookie contract, so you forego the second contract for an extra year and you, you, you add up things and you become longer away from getting the big payday still, the you know, six for 200 contract that's going to be out there or six, for, you know, four for 150, whatever will be the market rate for a top 10 quarterback in the league and in, in a, in a second contract. But, you know, they certainly afford, it affords them the luxury of being a little bit more picky if they want to be. I think that'd be incredibly unfortunate for these NFL franchises. And I'm, I'm, yeah, look, but you know, I I don't know if we're. I want to see it happen first before I kind of judge what's the what's the right uh, right course of action there. But when we're talking about the race towards a Kayla Williams sweepstakes or another of these talented quarterbacks in this draft class, which should be a very strong quarterback draft class, again, it's going to be interesting because right now there's two undefeated teams, there's two winless teams. And one of the winless teams owns the other winless team's pick. And that's Chicago owning Carolina's pick. So Carolina, there is zero incentive to stink this year. Uh, I mean, and, and, and look, that, that statement, by the way, should be for every professional franchise. We know it doesn't actually function that way, but I certainly do hate going walking into a year saying, "Yeah, we don't care. We we need to be bad." Like I, even if Arizona ends up being three and fourteen, for example, I appreciate that through the first four weeks of the year, Arizona's been fighting like dogs, trying to trying to win some football games, and they beat the Cowboys, led the Giants, probably should have beat the Giants, uh, was was hanging around in a respectable manner with San Francisco, like. I appreciate what Arizona's done, even if ultimately, yes, they are short. They end up having a bad year. But 
going in, I mean, going into things, it was just like, yeah, Carolina, they actually need to avoid being bad because they can't fix it in the way that other teams can fix it this year because they won't have their pick. And so that will open up potential scenarios for Chicago to get creative uh, in the draft process. And if they want to move on for fields, if they uh, want to do everything but that, if they want to sell the first pick because they don't want to do that, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But if Chicago were to get better, with fields leave Carolina behind for whatever reason and although that seems unlikely they could end up having their one pick because of Carolina and then they feel better about fields and go a different route so there's a lot of scenarios for Chicago moving on to teams that are not racing towards the bottom of the draft picks two teams that I think I liked in the AFC North one I clearly like more than the other one that's a quarterback away, one that paid their quarterback in the Baltimore Pittsburgh game. You know, this has these type of games have further big implications the more Cincinnati struggles because the real race will start to leave Cincinnati behind if they don't get things figured out. And Pickett's he's avoided some criticism because we've been very focused on the New York teams and, and Chicago. Pickett's pretty bad too. I, I have not liked what I've seen out of Kenny Pickett. Uh, any, it looks like TP's furthering that that notion. Uh, Brooks, you like Pickett at all? I mean, I know it's year two. I, I'm not saying you have to end mm. end it. It is year two, right? Not year yeah. three yet. It's year two, so you don't have to move off of him yet. But I'm starting to get suspicious. Let me put it that way. Uh, I mean, it, it's there's a couple quarterbacks in the league, and I, I you know I'll point to uh, I'll point to the, my team, the the New England Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones, I think, is in that same boat where you're. It's it's not you know you could see the talent there, and you're like, all right, I, I get it. But like you said, starting to get a little. Mm, should are are you gonna be able to lead this franchise? Um, and it, it's just, you know, it's it kind of feels like, you know, behind outside of Ben Roethlisberger uh, here with Mike Tomlin, they really haven't had a, you know, figure out that quarterback position. They've, they've had a couple guys there. They've had some, you know, mainly, you know, backup quarterbacks and such. But they're just like, that's kind of a, you know, haven't figured that quite out. They're able to figure out the wide receiver position. Uh, they're able to figure out the defense. Uh, they they they've got talent on that roster, but they just haven't been able to figure out that quarterback position. I don't know if it's time to move off of him, um, but it's it, you you got to start thinking at least thinking about it. Especially, I, uh, sorry, TP, I was uh, uh, I had to had to pause for a second. Now continue but, on. Uh, it it you know you you look at the division. Uh, you can like if you're Pittsburgh, you see the 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 weaknesses right now in Cincinnati, and that is uh, Joe Burrow's ankle. And I, I don't know if we're just sitting around here waiting for like something to pop in it and every single calf, week. But yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah the the calf. Um, so it you see the weaknesses there. You you've seen uh, a little bit of the weaknesses with Baltimore. And I don't, you know, I don't know if anybody's really fully confident in in Cleveland. I, I think you could, you know, Cleveland's got the roster that they could do, you know, they can uh, they can make some noise. But I don't know if anybody's fully confident in them. So if you're Pittsburgh, you're like, hey guys, if if we can get, you know, we we need to get this figured out because Cincinnati with Joe Burrow's not going to be down for, you know, if he when he gets healthy, they're not going to be they're not going to be down. If Baltimore can figure things out, they're not going to be down. And obviously, you look at Cleveland; they've got the talent roster there. So we need to start, you know, picking things up here. I I don't know if, you know, like I said, I don't know if this year is the year. 
Um, but I, I think by Thanksgiving, uh, if, if Pickett is is a you know is is playing and everything, if, if by Thanksgiving, if you know nothing is is turning around, maybe you say, all right, this time next year, if he's still you know if he's still like you know the, if we're still not getting a lot of it, I think it may be time to start exploring other options, especially in the draft. So I even in his last year at Pitt. I wasn't a huge Kenny Pickett believer. I just wasn't that impressed. I think a lot of it was on Jordan Addison, who's been fine with Minnesota so far. He's a rookie, so not much to judge there. Also playing alongside uh, Justin Jefferson. But anyway, so I would like to pull out some uh, the Steelers' four games. They got blown out by the 49ers. Fine, a lot of teams get beat by the 49ers by a lot of points. They beat the Browns, but if you recall, that was off the back. Two defensive touchdowns. Exactly, yeah. which their defense is fine. Yeah. Uh, the third game was against the Raiders where Josh McDaniels was like, you know what? He I, made I, a decision. Yeah, yeah, he was like, you know what? He made one of the decisions of all time, and he was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kick a field goal here. And they're like, you're going to do what? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do we'll that. We'll get the ball back, yeah. we swear. Yeah. yeah, and they never got it back. And then they got their doors blown open by the Texans, who a lot of people thought wouldn't even, you know, they may win two games this year. So, you know, it was, you know, so they haven't been great. And I, I did look it up. Kenny Pickett uh, suffered a bone bruise, so it was nothing serious. Okay. Good good for that. But, um, yeah, I think the quarterback class is just so loaded to the point where if you are the Steelers, and let's say you go, and I know Tomlin's never had a losing season, but let's, go, let's say you go like 6-11 and 11 or 7-10, and 10, and the quarterback class is so loaded this yeah. year. You oh, got, I would. Yeah, you got to look would. at it, and yes. you got to be like, George Pickens, you know, that rookie contract's, you know, starting to get there. I'm, we're going to have to pay him. Yep. You know, we're not a bad team. We have a great defense, one of the better defenses in the league. So it's just, you got to look at it and you got to take evaluation. I know he's the hometown kid and he played college ball in that same stadium. But, you know, you got to look at it to the degree where I do, I do think with Brooks, though, I think Brooks was, um, Brooks said they may stay with him a little bit longer. And I think they would be more likely to fire Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, than maybe bench Pickett unless he's just abominable for the rest of the year. So I think we're going to get to the point where they're going to fire the offensive coordinator at the end of the year rather than move off a of Pickett. But if it was up to me, if T.P. Hammock was in charge of the Pittsburgh Steelers and we go 6-11, and yeah, I'm looking towards that draft because it's just an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position. Well, and remember that Pickett came out of the draft that, that doesn't have anything. You know, he was the first quarterback taken. He's the only one in the first round. Uh, you had a few guys. I don't know if he had second or third round, but that's when you started to have Corral and Ritter and and, and those type of guys. And, and I mean, I, you, like you don't have to marry yourself, in my opinion, if you're Pittsburgh, to, well, yeah, this has got to be your guy. No, I think the rest of your football team is good enough to where, in fact, you should not be married to Kenny Pickett. And if he's not the answer, you need to move off of that. And especially in a class that's going to be the inverse of the class you took Pickett in, where I don't know if Pickett was really even a first-round great quarterback. I just think that he was the top guy and someone inevitably was going to take a quarterback. But you might very well... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. If Pickett doesn't work out, you probably won't have any starting quarterbacks coming out of that draft. Unless uh, was Purdy in that draft? I guess at the very end uh, of uh, 2020. Okay, so maybe you get lucky and have Purdy as a starting quarterback. But I was trying to go through quarterbacks. Malik Willis is not did not get good run in Tennessee. It, it's not gone well. Uh, Desmond Ritter is starting right now, but he has not played well. We'll get to him in a minute. Again, I mentioned Matt Corral, who's had trouble land, uh, sticking in the NFL. 
Uh, trying to find any other quarterbacks as I scroll down through here. Bailey Zappi in New England uh, has, has not gotten much work behind Mac Jones. I found you one. Uh, it's still early for him, but Sam Howell is starting now in Washington. But I just went like seven quarterbacks deep before I found a starter. The moral of the story is is that was not a good draft class for quarterbacks. It was known it wasn't going to be a, a great draft class. And when the guys that were not even taken up front are not the ones that are looking good right now, that it's fourth-round guy Sam Howe that's looking like uh, the most impressive other than I did confirm Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant, that, see, that draft. When your two best quarterbacks are looking like the, like the seventh quarterback taken and then Mr. Relevant, it, it didn't end up being a good draft class. And so Pittsburgh needs to kind of shift their focus towards, hey, like if the rest of our team's still good, Tomlin can still coach – Take another swing at a quarterback here. They'll probably be picking in the teens or early 20s again, so it won't be a top three quarterback in this class. But that's fine because, again, there's going to be six or seven that I think could end up starting in the league, if not more, honestly. like Someone like Quinn Ewers, where's Ewers going to end up being taking the quarterback uh, rankings? Is going to be third, fourth QB taken, fifth, somewhere in there? You know, I think he's a starter in the league. What about the guys out in the Pac-12 not named Caleb Williams, Bo Nix and, and Penix and all that? Like, I'm not sure that they'll be starters, but I think they would be worth a look if Pickett struggles. So anyway, I, I think that that's an interesting conundrum for Pittsburgh. We'll stay in the North. We'll finish that division here real quickly. Um, Cincinnati, you enter. Well, I don't want to say you enter out. Have you sold your stock yet for 2023? Still holding on to. I'm it. still holding on okay. to it because I think if if you can get. And it, you know, I, I say if it, when you keep playing on a on an injured calf, it's not going to get better. Um, but if you know Joe Burrow can figure out if nothing worse happens to Joe Burrow's leg, right. and he can and can and he can figure out how to play with that and and be kind of successful, I think they can still be uh, uh, they can still be a contender here. Um, Jamar Chase, you know, he said it. He's always open. He said it in. in uh, not so safe words yes. uh, this past weekend, but he's always open. So if you can get the ball to him, he can make some plays. Uh, but uh, like I said, if, if nothing worse happens to Joe Burrow, I think that they can still be a contender to win the North. They can still uh, can still get into that playoffs. Now, if something happens to Joe Burrow, all butts are off. I, I just don't know if – if uh, I don't know who else their quarterback – what their other quarterback situation is. It don't is. matter. Um, Let's be honest. It don't matter. Yeah. So it, it's – it's you know I, I'm right now um if if I was a if this was stocks and I could buy sell or hold it I would hold it for yep. now but it would be a very like hey I see any sort of dip in that market i.e. any sort of yep. dip in that Joe Burrow stock I'm I'm selling you're at immediately. the sell line yep. you're just not below it yep. yet yeah I, I that's a really good point Brooks I, I I'm not selling my stock just yet but I will say that the offensive line albeit hasn't looked great and it looked better last year and it showed but this year it just looks back to whenever he was a rookie yeah. getting killed every single play they're just getting mauled so i i do think jamar chase is open and like you say he's always open and you know stats you know may disprove that but he's usually open and uh, i don't think it's much on burrow i think his offensive line just isn't that good this year and that happens you know and playing on an injured calf is not going to help you avoid sacks so i'm not selling my stock yet because we're four games into a 17 game season but it's very worrisome and i think 
if they don't get that offensive line straight out, which is one of the hardest positions to, you know, just bandage up during the season, I think I think we could look at the Bengals, you know, come around January and go, man, they were disappointing. Yeah. So they need to really get this turned around. I've been on this from an early standpoint, even as soon as week two, because I, they were already on my radar the minute Burroughs' calf got injured in camp. And I just think that unless you're like Brady was or how Mahomes is now, I even the great quarterbacks, even the Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they still have a whoops year. It still happens from time to time. Rodgers had one or two whoops years. Uh, what maybe sometimes it's injury induced because of Peyton Manning's uh, neck deal that basically caused the split with Indianapolis. Uh, then it went going to Denver. Breeze wouldn't go to the necessarily be going to the playoffs every single year. When most years and way better than the rest of the Saints franchise history, but not like thirteen wins every single year. It happens, and I think it's happening. The Bengals. I've called my broker. I'm out this year. Uh, I just I, and I love. By the way, I love Cincinnati, and um, I, I since I, I feel a deep connection to Tampa. That's why I go there and favorite team, all that sort of stuff. So I'm not going to say I have a quote second favorite team because no one would compare to Tampa Bay for me. But the team I would root for against all the other teams in the league is a Burrow led Cincinnati. I enjoy them thoroughly, and that's why I feel confident in saying they're out this year. It the even when you have a, quote, chance to get healthy, because they would have a, a theoretical chance on the bye week, right? They play Arizona this week. I think they'll win that. I think they'll get two and three. Then they have Seattle. They might even win that, get three and three. Here's what you do after the bye week. At San Francisco, host Buffalo. If you're not 100% against San Francisco's defensive line, you're going to lose a lot more percentage points when you're done playing San Francisco's defensive line. And Cincinnati's offensive line uh, cannot block anything. And it has it got a little better last year. To be fair, you don't have to play to a high standard with healthy bro because they went to the Super Bowl without playing well. But when he's gimpy back there, yeah, you're going to have to be better than like the 28th best offensive line in the league. And they're not doing it so far this year. Tennessee was teeing off. I have not seen the Titans that alive since they lost to the Bengals in the playoffs two years ago. And that's how decisive that game was. And so I love Burrow and I love Cincinnati, but I'm out on them this year. I think that they're they're destined for uh, a rough six and eleven, you know, just just crap happens type of year. And I think you saw that even from from the beginning in camp when Burrow went down there for the first time with that calf injury. One final time out here in the four o'clock hour. Back with some more NFL and again in the five o'clock hour. A sports call five at five presented by Southeastern Land Group. And we'll talk some more college ball in the 5 o'clock hour. Two, if you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. We'll be back right after this timeout. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. A few minutes left here in hour number two. Again, coming up in hour number three, we'll have more football, NFL, and college, including a Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Let's talk a couple NFC South games, and we might only have time for one, so let's focus on the Falcons, which you can hear all of their games right here on Tiger 95.9 each and every Sunday. This will be back to a normal time of a noon start, 10 a.m. airtime. Houston Texans, Atlanta Falcons. We already talked a little bit about the Texans from the AFC South. But Falcons' rough performance last week in London against Jacksonville and certainly some Desmond Ritter concerns. What do you see out of Atlanta? I think um, I, I think this is very crucial for the Falcons. There's a lot of pressure now on Desmond Ritter because a lot of people are kind of talking about like we were talking with the Steelers, like, oh, you know, this quarterback class is really good. If you if you don't like this guy, you know, it's okay. And you know, it's um, I, the Texans are red hot right now, and uh, I know the Falcons have Jesse Bates, who's a ball hawk, and he's incredible to watch. So it's gonna be fun to see if Stroud throws his first interception. Uh, this weekend but yeah the Falcons have been um, I know a lot of people were um, buying the Kool-Aid on the Falcons back before the season but it's just uh, you know it, it kind of feels about the way that I felt about them they, they've been somewhat mediocre and that's okay you know it happens I, I just don't know how much more they can really do I mean I know they're a run first offense and that's fine but in today's nfl you need that passing attack and you have drake london and you have kyle pitts there is no excuse whenever john o smith is your leading tight end receiving yards something's wrong so i think it's more i think it does fall on the quarterback's shoulders at the end of the day because i think arthur smith's a very good play caller but i think they need this win to get back and uh, get that momentum back on their side for a very winnable uh, division that they are in, so they definitely need this win. I don't want to. I don't want to. We work with a, a few Falcons fans, so I don't want to 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 make fun of them of the of Falcons fans in general. Not not our not the two that work with us, but of Falcons fans in general. I, I I just think it's funny, and that you you know last year you had Marcus Mariota right. And about midway through the year, it was, get Desmond Ritter out there. Get Desmond Ritter out there. Let's see what he can do. This year, you start with Desmond Ritter. And we're, what, four games in? Get Taylor Heineke out there. Get Taylor Heineke out there. See what he can do. It's just, you, you can't just keep rotating the door at quarterback uh, all, all the time. That's not how you win and win, uh, win as a franchise. Um, I do think the Falcons have to figure out a quarterback situation. I don't know if Desmond Ritter is the guy going for. I know he, you know he's he's been rough to start the year. Give him a little bit of time. Let's see if he, what he can do. But you know, you, you look at it. Uh, I think Bijan Robinson is was a good addition this this off season. Uh, I think he can really help you as a franchise, uh, especially when you're you're going toward that run team. I know you know Brand has talked about this. They need pass rushing. They their defenses. They they need some sort of pass rushing there. Um, and I think that would help them a lot. It, uh, you know, in the off season. Uh, you know, and then like I said, figure out what you want to do at quarterback here. Um, the this weekend, this this Texans team um, without a you know without a pass uh, a true pass rusher there. Um, you are uh, you're going up against C.J. Stroud. He's he's had a, a better year than uh, 
you know, help the the Texans to a two and two record here uh, when they were a team that you really didn't know if they how good they were going to be this year. Um, and so th- this is going to be an interesting game on uh, on Sunday because you've got a team with Atlanta that hasn't lost at home yet. They're two and zero at home going up against a Texans team that feels like they're a little they're a little warm right now. Not hot, but they're a little warm right now. Um, and so it, it's, you know, I, I don't, you, you, you've got to get something figured out there. You've got to, you know, you, you've got to see what you have with CJ or with, uh, with Desmond Ritter. You got to figure something out on offensively, uh, this week, or it, it, things could get ugly really, really quickly. Yeah. Again, the good news for the NFC South teams is that all of them have pretty favorable schedules, uh, hooking up with the NFC North and then the AFC South. There's a lot of going to be a lot of contested games in there, but nothing that really overwhelms you. Maybe Detroit by the th- time uh, things are said and done, but even with Green Bay a little shaky, Chicago not playing well at all, uh, Minnesota being disappointing so far, that division's not looking good. And then again, AFC South, no one's looking as bad as we thought so far. No one's really looking like a true standout yet either. So there's going to be still a lot of winnable opportunities for the Falcons and all those teams in the NFC's South Division. We are out of time in the 4 o'clock hour. When we come back, at Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll talk some more college and pro football coming up after this timeout. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock joining you on this Thursday afternoon. Turning in the evening. I'm going to be very sad in a month when I look outside and daylight savings time has ended. And it's going to get dark on me again. And it won't be afternoon at 5 o'clock, will it? It'll decidedly be evening. And it'll just be a little sad. And I could have swore... Uh, I don't want to go into too much sidebar. I could have swore that Congress had uh, no, no, you're, passed something. No, I, I, I thought that as well, but people were just like, no, nope, we got to change the time again. I was yeah. like, didn't they pass it? And they're like, I don't know. So <sighs> I don't know. One of these years, uh, we'll look out there in December and January, and it won't be dark at 5 o'clock. But we're headed that direction just about a month away from daylight savings time ended. We've got one more hour of the show, though, regardless on if it's day or night. 
And we start the 5 o'clock hour, as we do each and every day with the Sports Call 5 at 5. It's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that. Call John Harden at 334 334- 524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. We'll mix things up a little bit. We've been talking NFL. We'll get into college football now for just a few moments and kind of go ahead and give a brief look ahead at what's to come this weekend during the Auburn bye weekend. So we're going to look at the top five matchups in college football this week. Number one. No particular order. We're going to go with the four ranked games plus one more SEC game. The Red River rivalry. Number 12, Oklahoma. Number three, Texas. That's an 11 a.m. bout on ABC. That's the first time this game is really I've been this excited about in at least a few years uh, as both teams undefeated. Again, Texas being number three in the country with real playoff aspirations, and Oklahoma starting to look like Oklahoma again uh, with their number 12 ranking behind Dylan Gabriel, Brent Venable's second year there in Norman. Number two. Number 23, LSU. Number 21, Missouri. Who would have thought that Missouri would be ranked ahead of LSU really at any point this year? and especially already five weeks into the year. That game, by the way, is going to be able to be heard on FM Talk 93.9 at 11 a.m. via Touchdown Radio and our continued partnership with both Compass Media and Touchdown Radio here in the fall. So got a top 25 matchup in the SEC there on FM Talk 93.9. Again, number 21, Missouri playing host to number 23, LSU. Number three. This one is the unranked battle, but it doesn't feel like it's that big of a chasm between the teams, at least if you're looking at the betting markets. It's number 11, Alabama, going to College Station to face Texas A&M. That line has changed in the last 24 hours. It was Bama two-and-a-half-point favorites yesterday. It is down to one point favorites for Alabama as of right now. That one is the 230 SEC game. Of course, two years ago in that game, Texas A&M led by Zach Calzada, did surprise the tide. AM has looked a little more confident this year, certainly more confident than last year. I mean, last year's team only won five games, they're up to four already. Uh, but we'll see if AM can land a big blow to Alabama's playoff chances. Number four. Speaking of playoff chances, Georgia's are still quite high after surviving the Deep South's oldest rivalry last weekend. Number one, Georgia tanking on number 20, Kentucky. That's a six o'clock ESPN matchup. Kentucky looked quite good against Florida. That's really the first time Kentucky looked actively good in one of their games. They had scooted by a couple teams earlier. I guess they did okay. Uh, and their other SEC matchup, but for the first time really started to look uh, above average, we'll say, against Florida. They run the, ran the ball quite effectively, but a whole different animal trying to go into Athens on Saturday night. And last up in the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. Wouldn't have pegged this as a ranked matchup either, but surprised that Louisville is out to a 5-0 and start in the ACC. So back-to-back weeks for Notre Dame playing on the road against an ACC team that is undefeated and in the top 25. Notre Dame broke the hearts of Duke fans last weekend. And Notre Dame's been in a very dramatic couple of weeks. And again, Louisville 
Maybe a little surprising to be 5-0, ranked 25th. So Notre Dame with another top 25 game as their schedule turns out to be very robust here in the early going. And that is the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Again, top five games coming up of the weekend in college football. The Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. A battle of Tigers in Columbia between LSU-Missouri. Alabama, Texas A&M and College Station. Georgia, Kentucky and Athens. And Louisville and Notre Dame there as Louisville plays host to the Fighting Irish. And guys, want to get you in on this because I know both you guys will not be here tomorrow. And those are some of the premier matchups around the sport. Well, I mean, I, I I guess we need to hit on all these briefly if we can for you guys, or at least pick uh, the the top matchup or two from this. Uh, the SEC is still involved in a lot of these. In fact, involved three of the five, uh, four of the five if this year is next year because Oklahoma and Texas would be involved. So a lot of SEC teams involved in some of these top games this week and. Uh, we're, we're getting to the halfway point. I mean, these teams, we, we got a good read on them. There's still time to improve. Uh, but, but teams like LSU, they need to start figuring things out. And if you land a second loss, like if you're Alabama and you do slip up in College Station, yes, there's still a path to win the West. But at two losses this early, you'd be pretty much out of it for the playoffs. So very big implications this week. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen Alabama is just a one-point favorite. That was really surprising. I knew it just kept dropping and dropping. I was thinking about it. You know, I was just like, why is that? And then I remember, like, oh, yeah, Alabama's been so 50-50 this year every game. They looked – they looked in the second half, they looked better against Ole Miss. And then last week against Mississippi State, I mean, they looked fine. But Mississippi State's kind of bad. So, it's like I don't really know what I'm seeing there. But I think a big um, – <clears throat> I think a big factor of that is how good Texas A&M's defensive line is versus Alabama's offensive line, who has struggled immensely this season. So it will be really interesting to see how that will play out. But, you know, Jalen Milrow can make – uh, plays with his legs so that's that's fine but if they can get him on the ground and put him in third and long situations like obvious passing downs and I think that'll be really crucial to A&M but I just think I just feel like Alabama's gonna pull it out though you know I remember whenever they won two years ago it was like it felt like all the other times that Alabama had lost kind of where it was just like a frenzy of random turnovers and uh, just all sorts of craziness but uh, it just feels different this year but i'm still going with alabama just because i just don't know i i'm going with the you know i'm going with the goat i'm going with nick saban over uh the aggies but i i hope i'm wrong though i hope i'm wrong but yeah i'm leaning towards the um how i know alabama to be yeah that that game is it's interesting um because, you know, Max Johnson came out and did fine last week. Uh, well, he did good against Auburn. did fine last week against Arkansas. Got them the win. Uh, and so I, I think he's a capable starter here, especially in this uh, this offense with uh, P- uh, Bobby Petrino. Um, I just, uh, you know, it feels like yeah, Alabama's starting to get things figured out a little bit. Uh, you know, you shut down Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. You, you dismantle uh, uh, Mississippi State last week, but – you know who really who isn't going to do that this year? Mississippi State's not 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 a good football program right now. Um, 
I, I don't know. You know, I, I, you, you, like I said, you feel like Alabama may be figuring it out, but it may have been, you know, it, and it may have been the the defensive competition that you you're up against and such. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's I, I feel like you know, just you know, hedge. You always hedge your bets. And, oh, you always hedge your bets. I, I hit my microphone. Um, you always hedge your bets and uh, and go into. Um, uh, go with Alabama, but it you know it, it just feels like uh you know maybe maybe Texas A&M can pull it out. I don't know. Uh, you know Stewart, their their big wide receiver. I think he can make some plays. Max Johnson can get it to him. Um, but it you know, this is going to tell you a lot. This weekend's going to tell you a lot if Alabama's actually getting things figured out. Or if even if they win, but they you know they don't look good winning, um, it, it still may not you know it may not be to the point where you say oh yep Alabama's back this is you know, they're they're here. Uh, but I, I feel like you're, this game could tell you uh, if Alabama is is getting things figured out for the stretch run here. Yeah, I, I look. I think this is the so we were talking about Auburn's bye week and how it's going to be kind of the crossroads of the season against LSU coming out of the bye week. Just from the standpoint of are you still actively improving? or do you regress back to what you were at A&M? Not necessarily that you need to go into Baton Rouge and win, but like you need to be competitive and you need to be uh, battling throughout that game. It doesn't need to look like it did against college, uh, against Texas A&M and College Station. I think this is the crossroads for the Bama season. I think if they win this game, they're going to end up 11-1. and And the reason I say that is this and the Iron Bowl are their two toughest road games. With all due respect to Kentucky – great for them i just think kentucky's stealing a player is just not going to be enough to beat a team like alabama that's why i don't think they're going to have particularly much success against georgia and athens this weekend i think georgia's excuse me kentucky's incredibly well coached i think stoops is really good for what he is they just don't have the horses and the difference makers will not be able to uh, to, to, to have enough they won't have enough difference makers in those type of games so this game at college station and the iron bowl are their toughest road games and with what you've seen from Tennessee, but in particular LSU, I just don't think they're going in Bryant Denning and winning. And I still think that Alabama's defense is unfor. I say this very unfortunately. I think it's still really good. Ole Miss scored 10 on them at, at Bryant Denning. You might think, well, Texas got them all these deep shots. Sure. But I think that that's a, a Texas team that last year was on to something and couldn't follow through because Ewers was ousted after one quarter. They got to actually play that out this year, and they were able to take advantage of the deep shots that it gets really hard to uh, to, to pull off unless you're a really good uh, a really good quarterback with a lot of great athletes down the field. This A&M game, this is the same game they tripped up and lost in 2021. You've got a situation where the backup quarterback – is in for for A&M. This is not the quarterback that they intended to play this year. Same thing for Calzada in 21. That was not really the quarterback they intended to play that year. It was supposed to be Haynes King. And so I think that the some of the ingredients are the same. But if Alabama survives that test, I just think that they're going to be in a situation where, yes, I think there is a ceiling on their offense. But if they go on the road to a competent team and still shut them down, I think they will have proved that their defense is still excellent. It's still really good because, again, Ole Miss did all this talk. I, I'm Look, I'm still on this train with Ole Miss. I know they beat LSU, scored a million points. Great. 
But Ole, that was Ole Miss's chance to beat, or, or Kiffin's chance to beat Saban Alabama. If Kiffin's at Ole Miss for 15 years, they'll beat Alabama at some point, blah, blah. But it won't be with Saban there because they went into that situation with Alabama uh, very, uh, very much lacking offensive confidence. They were able to take a lead early, and then they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing the rest of that game, and that was their chance. And Ole Miss is a genuinely good offense. I do believe that. But Alabama made it look like that was not the case. And so I just think that that their defense is still in a really good shape. And they will, as time continues to progress, they will figure out all the cans and cannots with Milrow. There is a cap on him. There are limitations. This offense will not be what it's been the last handful of years. But they can get around that if that defense is really good and they learn the tendencies and strengths of Milrow. He's got a good deep ball and he can run. What can you do off of that? And and so, look, this line's uncomfortable. It's one-point game. I can kind of see why because, again, A&M's played them well. A&M played – if you're making the argument for A&M, this was the game last year in Tuscaloosa because Milrow played that game. And it came down to the very last play of this game. That's why this game is very tough to predict. I'm still pretty unsure about it. But, again, if Bama can win this game and then they get to be back at home for the majority, for really all the big teams left except the Iron Bowl at the end. Uh, and so, I, I don't know. I As much as I would love for this to start to fall apart on them, uh, I, I think that if this is the this is the turning point in the season. This will either be the loss that does them in for the playoffs, jeopardizes the SEC West, and, and causes them to potentially have that eight and four nine three season. But if they get through this game, I, I, I have a feeling they're going to end up eleven and one, and that Bama Georgia game is going to be a play into the playoff. Maybe there's still a scenario both teams get in, uh, but I, I would I, I think this is a, a very much a kind of a turning point. In the season, let's get one phone call before we go to our next break on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line 334-887-3401 locally, toll free one eight nine tiger nine. Next up on the program, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? Uh, we're you doing. Guys, how's it going? Yep. Good. We got you, know, you. You mentioned that uh, Georgia was going to play. Is it Kentucky this weekend? Yes, in Athens. Yes. Oh, you know what? Now, I was hoping they'd be uh, in Lexington, but that ain't the case. But but either way, uh, you know, this this could be the weekend for the upset because, uh, you know, lately Georgia been getting off of these slow starts, and they let Auburn hung around, and Auburn clearly had a chance to win that game and could have won that game, Sure. period. But, sure. you know, the two or three horses they had, like you said, I mean, you know, at that crunch time, went ahead and showed you that All-American they were and, and, and helped Georgia pull that thing out. But I guarantee you, if Georgia gets off to a slow start, mess around and lay a golden egg out there, and Kentucky can cash it in, it could very well be a very long day uh, over there in Athens, Georgia, uh, this weekend. Uh, if if they hang and let them hang around, mess around, let them get a play or two, they ain't got no business making. Uh, number one team in the country could be upset. Yeah, you know, I, and, and you're not the first person to say that this week either, Anthony. But I just. I'm a little more skeptical about it. Look, I, I agree that Georgia is not the Georgia of last year. That I, I think everyone's kind of in agreement of that. But Kentucky, I've just never liked that matchup because they are good because they are well coached, not because they have a lot of talent. And it's not like Kirby Smart is some bad coach. He's an excellent defensive mind. And so I just feel like you know Kentucky can can execute these plays against these weaker teams and 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 the athleticism, the strength is not a big issue. But I feel like when they 
come up against Georgia, you, you just it's just such a different dynamic for a team like that that doesn't like that doesn't have that big five star player to go make a play that doesn't have that big five star defensive end that's going to go sack back two or three times. Like I just don't see the difference maker on Kentucky's side to be able to overcome just the the fact that Georgia is just so damn big and strong everywhere. And so I don't know. I'm just more skeptical than some other people are of that game. And, and it being in Athens does not help either. Well, I tell you what, you know, uh, they may not have the big five star, star uh, stud horse, if you want to call it that, if you will. But, uh, you know, you got 11 guys on defense, 11 on offense, and the special team. If every guy on that squad would give his very best every trip, and then whenever his backup come in, if he'd give all he got, and just won't quit, then you never know what might happen. Uh, being a Southeastern Conference showdown, like I said, keep on playing people close. People going to start watching film and everything, and they're going to figure, well, you know what? This man put his pants on just like I do. Uh, he sat down to the table and eat a bowl of grits just like I do. Uh, he worked out this morning during the week at a strength conditioning program like I did. Hey, I, I, I got a shot too. Sure, and look, I mean, again, I I, I certainly hope Kentucky can do that, and I know that they'll have confidence in it. Um, but you know they they ran all over the place against Florida, for example. And look, I will say this: if you wanted to make the argument, they beat Florida, right? They beat what was the score? If you don't mind, yeah, I think it was like thirty four seventeen. It's thirty three to fourteen. Thirty three fourteen. Thirty three fourteen. And that was on Florida's home field, right? Uh, no, that was at Kentucky. That was at, okay, at Kentucky. Okay. But you know, I, I I so look that that part of it bodes well, but. Georgia's still in a different class than Florida for sure. And what I would what I would think about is, look, this could be a positive or negative. We'll, we'll see how Kirby uses it. But Auburn just had the most productive rushing game against Georgia in five years. They ran for over 200 yards. Now, does that mean that Kentucky can take advantage of that? Maybe. But what could it also mean that Georgia comes in a little extra motivated because Kentucky is going to think, hey – we just ran on Florida, and Auburn just ran on Georgia. We're going to go run on Georgia. And then Georgia has one of those, oh, no, you aren't moments. And that that's what I would worry about. Again, I don't get me wrong. I want Kentucky to be in that ball game and, and give them hell. But uh, I'm just a little skeptical about it. I understand. But look at here. Let me ask you now. Uh, Bowers, uh, who would Kentucky got to match up against him? Uh, what kind of linebacker, a defensive end, or whoever they might have? I would assume a linebacker or safety uh would probably be the matchup. Uh, who they got? Yeah, I mean for Kentucky, look. When in general, when you're facing a, a great tight end like that, obviously that's inherently a problem because you put a linebacker on him, and then look, you're usually he's going to outrun a linebacker. You put a DB on him, he's usually too small. Auburn has some success with Jalen Simpson, who is a corner on him. That's who was on him a lot in the first half. When you look at Kentucky's roster. Uh, I mean, they, they have some productive linebackers uh, as far as tackling, but I don't know how someone like Traven Wallace, who's their leading sack guy and second leading tackler, if he's going to be in coverage much. Uh, maybe someone uh, I, I like Derek Jackson, who uh, has an interception from that linebacker position. But again, can athletically they hold up? And, and Derek Jackson is a Georgia guy, by the way. He's from Dublin, Georgia. But I... I can they hold up athletically against Bowers? Again, that's what makes that guy so tough is he'll run someone over, but then he'll outrun a linebacker. So, I mean, they, they've got some pretty good linebackers, Kentucky does, but do they do something outside the box, put a safety on them, that sort of thing, we'll see. 
Well, maybe a linebacker can give him a good shove at the line, and then as he releases and come on down the field in a safety, or some DB going to have to pick him up and go the rest of the way. But if you can start there, punch him a little bit. I mean, I think you can throw that forearm in, in, in the smallest back a couple times. I think that's legal, right? Yes, in a college game it is. and NFL, you could do it prior to five yards. But yeah, college game, you can as long as you don't hold. Well, maybe somebody go ahead and give him a little of that treatment and uh, bring him down to earth. But we're gonna find it out. What time's the kickoff? That's uh, the two third, or excuse me, that's the six o'clock ESPN game. Well, we'll have to check it out and see. And I'll call y'all back Monday. And we'll talk about it. Sounds good, Anthony. Appreciate your phone All call. Right. All right, thanks. That is Anthony calling from Auburn on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're gonna go to our first time out here of the five o'clock hour. We'll of course come back and talk some more football right after this here on the Thursday edition of Sports Call. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen. Can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy, Brooks Childers, TP Hammock. We appreciate all those that are tuning in, however, you may be tuning in, and that includes the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca Cola. Taste the feeling. Sports Call Podcast is available on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. Used to be available on Stitcher, and Stitcher uh, no longer exists, which means the podcast no longer available on Stitcher or our other podcasts. So that's that's tough, but still a lot of great ways to listen to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Uh, real quickly, because Anthony brought up Georgia and Kentucky, guys, want to give your thoughts. Do you think Kentucky's got something for Georgia this weekend? No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, no offense, but you, you hit you were spot on, Ryan. It's it, it, that happens a lot with Kentucky, where it's it's the coaching thing. And Mark Soups is a fantastic coach; like he can stay there forever. He's done a wonderful job with that program. But at the end of the day, this this sport is about talent. And he does a great job of coaching and developing the talent. But at the end of the day, Georgia just has more dudes. So they, you know, I think they're going to be better against the run. Now, if they're like what they were against Auburn, we could have a really interesting game. But I've seen this happen before 
where we we're sitting there and we're just like, can 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 Kentucky do it this year? Are they going to take down one of these bigger programs? And at the end of the day, they put up a good fight. It's not about effort or anything like that. It's just, you know, it comes down to, you know, those five-star athletes really do make a difference, and that's usually what, you know, is the Achilles heel to that Kentucky football team. I think Kentucky's got a chance just because of how Georgia's been playing this year. Um, because Georgia's been a slow starter this year, especially in offense, um, Kentucky, uh, I think, is you know they they're not they have they're they're undefeated, but it hadn't been pretty. They they haven't looked good uh, most of the year. But I think that because Georgia's slow starting on offense, I think they've got a chance to hang in there. Um, I don't think uh, Georgia will cover that fourteen and a half point spread uh, right now. I think Georgia. I think it's going to. Uh, you brought it up, TP, but I think it's going to go a lot like that Auburn game. I think you're going to see. Um, I think you're going to see Kentucky. Kentucky and Georgia, neck and neck, first half, uh, and then you're going to get to the second half, and it's still going to be you know close, and then you're going to have one or two plays, and I think you know who's who's probably going to make them. Uh, that's going to bust uh, bust it open for Georgia, and they're going to win. They're not going to win by it. Like I said, I, I don't think they cover the fourteen and a half, um, and and they win the they win a close one in Athens, but uh, I, I think Georgia's I think Georgia's going to win it this year, and it's it's mainly going to be. Uh, it, it's going to be ugly early for them. You, you said, oh, you said, okay, ugly early for Georgia. Yeah. I thought you meant ugly early for Kentucky. No, no, no. I I like, think well, that contradicts it being close. No, I think it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be, again, a, a slow start, uh, a slow start. It's it, Georgia fans are going to get it. You're going to hear some booing in, in Athens well, on Saturday okay. when, when that offense, and it's not going to be directed at the offensive players. It's going to be directed at that coaching box uh, 100%. Yeah, it feels like, I, I like how you put that. It just feels like me and my roommate were making this joke. It just feels like, Okay, I guess we're going to actually start to score now, and we, we want to actually win this game. Because the first half, it just feels like they've been woken up out of bed. It's just like, huh, who? What time is it? You know, going to hit snooze. But they, they just come out of the second half, and that was the first time, though, in the second half last week whenever Auburn forced that fumble where I didn't see Georgia just come out, like, you know, really strong, and they, they did struggle. But like you said, though, if they – I do think it's just really hard to win in, in in between the hedges, as they say, for there. So I I hope it's close. I hope the Wildcats win, but I'm going with Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. Let's talk about the top 15 matchup between Oklahoma and Texas. I Apparently this has a sponsor, which just is a small thing, but I don't – just that makes me irritable. It's the All-State Red River rivalry. Can you imagine it? It's like the Chick Fil A Iron Bowl. I mean, it could be. I, I mean, I'd be down. Oh come on! The Apple you know Chick Fil A Apple the game. You know, yeah. <laughs> like come on, man. We're not starting to sponsor the name of rivalries. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, Oklahoma and Texas uh, quarterback play is where we where I think the focus is going to be. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's been healthy. He's been protected this year. He's looked really good. Uh, and a couple years ago, I would have taken this for granted. I would have taken for granted the fact that Oklahoma's 5-0. and They whipped up on Iowa State, beat Cincinnati, whipped up on Tulsa, all the all the stuff here at the start of the year. They won six games last year. I mean, they're all they're almost to their total. They're like Texas A&M. They're one off their total from last year already. And I get that it gets somewhat tougher. It certainly does with this particular game. But there's not a lot of behemoths in the Big 12. I think these are the only two ranked teams for the moment. I think Kansas State's close, but they're not ranked currently. Uh, so this could end up happening again. 
I think that would be hilarious, personally. I know the Big 12 would hate it. I think it would be hilarious if this was the conference championship game, too. It's like, no, for all that talk, yeah, you did lose your best two schools. <laughs> Shut up. You did. You did a good job trying to replace them with other teams and, and stuff. Like, good for you. You're going to have D on next year. Great. Awesome. You lost your two best schools. Okay. You, you can get a, you can admit that. Um, so this is a huge game. How do you see it leaning? You know, I'll tell you what. Texas looks good this year. I, I've, I've enjoyed watching them play. I enjoy watching Quinn Ewer, a healthy Quinn Ewers play and, and be, you know, be a, a force. I, it feels like, I don't know, to me, it feels like Oklahoma could win this football game. It could be one of those years where, you know, Texas walks in and they're really confident. And you're like, yeah, this is our year. We're, we got it. You know, you, you got Oklahoma. Y'all, y'all better watch out. We got Quinn Ewers. We got a really good team. We beat Bama. And then Oklahoma's like, yeah, our guy's thrown for 1,500 yards, almost 1,600 yards already and 15 touchdowns. And so, yeah, you got a good quarterback. We've got a good quarterback. And it, it feels like it, this could be a, a year where uh, where Oklahoma comes in and, and, and wins this game. It, it, it's going to be it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I think it's going to be a a big you know big points on the board. The over under right now is at sixty and a half for this game. Um, I, I think that they're they're this the both of these teams are going to put up points. Uh, but it, it, this just feels like, and it, and it may just be, you know, looking back at recent history with Texas where you've had so many instances in the past few years where it's like, Texas is back, and then they fall flat on their face in a game, and then it's like, oh, no, maybe they're not back, and they kind of spiral downhill. I don't think they spiral if they lose on Saturday. I think this Texas team is somewhat back, but I think that Oklahoma is is – they they look so much better than they did last year. Uh, it, it it feels like they've got things figured out in Norman. Uh, it, it was rough last year. Uh, I think they got things figured out. It feels like Oklahoma can come into this game and, and win this game, uh, win and a close game. Yeah, I, I think you brought up a really good point. I, I do think Oklahoma definitely has a good shot, be, but I think a lot of people they're right where they want to be, where no one is talking uh, up to this point. No one had talked about them. They were just you know just slowly working their way up to this point, and I'm getting tired of hearing about Texas. So I, I I'm there are some talking heads that uh, I won't say, but a particular Fox Sports uh, talk show, he uh, he's already decreed that Texas and Michigan will face in the national championship. Now, uh, Texas and Michigan. Now, that's a far, far way away, but I do think Oklahoma is really good, but I think Texas is just... They, they've really built up to this moment. They have a lot of really good NFL-level players like Quinters and Xavier Worthy, that really good wide receiver, But and they did really well against Alabama. I just don't. I know Oklahoma's done really well in this rivalry for the past like ten years, but the problem is, you know, Lincoln Riley's now at USC. Texas now has Steve Sarkeesian, and Oklahoma is coming. Whenever these two teams played last year, it was forty-nine to zero in favor of Texas. So, I I, I am leaning towards. Um, I'm leaning towards Texas for sure, but I do think that Oklahoma definitely has a shot. I think they have more than a puncher's chance. I think they really could go out there. Maybe they could rattle Quinn Ears and get some turnovers and, uh, you know, force a bad play or maybe get a special teams play. And they could – it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Sooners pulled off the uh, upset. You know, that's a good point about Texas thumped them last year. They embarrassed them last year. And to think that – you could have a 50-point turnaround in one year. When you put it that way, it just sounds far-fetched. Now, I think this game will not be a blowout. I do think Texas will win it, though. 
the thing that gives me optimism is that you can see signs that Oklahoma's defense has improved a lot, and you would think it would with Venables. They've allowed 26 points combined in their first two Big 12 matchups. Now, granted, you know Cincinnati and Iowa State are just not going to be at the top of that league, and, and that's not incredible competition. But Oklahoma's given up points to everybody last year. And you know that with Gabriel and the way they're producing, that they have big, big potential offensively. But Texas, to me, feels like a complete team. Like, I don't see a huge hole in them. I know that last week was kind of odd because they were racking up all these yards against Kansas. I think they had like 350 in the first half, and yet they had only produced uh, like 13 points. And so I, I know that they want to improve on finishing drives from that game. But when you beat Alabama the way they di- they did – that because that was one of the first times where it didn't feel fluky that Alabama lost, and I think that's the feeling that people are kind of holding with them as they go through the year. Like, man, maybe this is about the end of the line for them. Is that it felt like Texas was the better team, and that that was not if that if they played that again, the same result would happen again. And you know, Texas has a really you know they had a weird moment the week after where they were struggling with what was it Wyoming. Was it uh, that they they were like tied with through three quarters and then they stepped on on the fourth? But they've responded well in Big Twelve play. They've beaten Baylor and Kansas by a combined seventy eight twenty. So they they seem like they've got their their ducks in a row. And I I would just be surprised if Oklahoma again that that would be the thing that would be hard for me to get around is is Oklahoma really when Texas really has a better version of last year's Texas team is Oklahoma going to make up 50 points on them I just I don't see that I can see them making up 20 see maybe even 30 just because that game was kind of inherently fluky just because of how dramatic of a of a butt whooping that was but I just don't see that huge turnaround when there's been nothing to suggest that Texas has a bunch of weaknesses to attack so far this year. We're going to take our final time out of the program. When we come back, final thoughts on football coming up this weekend from TP and Brooks. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au let's get back to sports call on tiger 95.9 feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Thank you. 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock with you here. Final five or six minutes of this Thursday edition of the program. Before we get to the nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, want to give you guys the floor again. It'll just be myself and Cam Barry on the show tomorrow. Uh, final thoughts, and you go college or pro, anything that's standing out to you, open up the floor. College football is where I'm going to go because I, I it's my number one favorite sport. Um, you know, there there's some interesting games this weekend. You you look around uh, the the slate. Um, I want to see how uh, I want to see how LSU looks. I know you know we we talked. You mentioned that game a little bit earlier, but I don't think we've talked a lot about. It. I want to see how LSU looks. Uh, Missouri. They're undefeated. They're five and zero. They're one and zero in the SEC. I, and it's just hard part, to believe in. Part it, yeah. of me says because of how pedestrian the LSU defense has looked this this year, says Missouri's got a chance. the The rest of me, that's a little part of me. The rest of me says LSU's going to come in and they're going to they're going to you know they're going to look better than they did last week. Um, uh, and they're going to get this the, this game done. There, it's not going to be really close. I think LSU probably wins the game by two touchdowns. It, it's it's. I think I think LSU's Brian Kelly can get is going to get things figured out there. So now you, uh, dear listeners, you get to listen to my Ohio State uh, no. talk. But uh, <laughs> uh, we play the Turtles, uh, the Maryland, who I honestly think should be ranked. They I like were, Turtles. <laughs> I, they were ranked 26 in the poll, which I, I would have loved for them to get that spot because I, I think they've, uh, I think they're really underrated. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to that matchup a lot. Watching Talia. The only concern is that whenever Maryland has played in Columbus, they, the closest loss they've had was by 21 points. So they've really struggled in Ohio, but they're they're really fun to watch. They're a real good offensive team. Uh, Mike Loxley leading the Turtles, so it's um it's gonna be a really good football game. I hate that big noon Saturdays there because I, I don't like noon kickoffs. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be. That's uh, all you do in I, the Big Ten. I, I know. I was gonna <laughs> say this is. Uh, I will say. Let, let me let me give Fox Sports credit here. Big noon Saturday. This is one of the few justifiable times that they are at Ohio State for the noon kickoff. Because in the years past, when Ohio State's had a big game, it's been at night, and they're not going to touch those night games because it's not their product. Yeah, it, it, they're they're not going to go to Penn State for at night. They're it was not, always Michigan. It, it was Michigan it's, it, because yeah, and that's the traditional eleven a.m. kick. And and it was even you know even when they weren't uh, when it wasn't a, uh, a a Fox product like when when Michigan Ohio State was on ESPN, they weren't touching it. They weren't going there, even though it was probably one of the biggest games of the weekend. Uh, but I, I want to give Fox Sports credit because this is one of the few times that I've known, you know, in recent years, that it's justified that you go there because it is un- the Maryland is undefeated and Ohio State's undefeated. Meanwhile, when they show up there for like Bowling Green versus Ohio State, no, go away, go find something else to do or anywhere. But this this one's justified for them, I think. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, like you said though, they they have traditionally gone more towards um, Michigan and some other matchups. But anyway, yeah, it will be really interesting to see how the uh, pass defense will hold up because that's been the big critique over the um, last few seasons under Ryan Day was uh, how can the defense hold up against big explosive plays and they have not given up a play over I think 30 yards so far this season so they've really uh, really been doing well on the defensive side. One other game that I want to point out that I don't, I don't think a lot of people are talking about is I want to see how Ole Miss responds this 
week. And I know Arkansas is is down. They're not, you know, they're they're not a, a really good football team this year. But Ole Miss, I guarantee you they've been partying all week and yes. beating LSU. Like, are they is, is are they still hungover today? I don't know. Uh, but I want to see how they respond. Uh, this uh, one week later. Uh, you know, you had this big environment. You was a high energy game, and now you get Arkansas. And Arkansas, we you know we talked about it last week. They're in a bad spot. Sam uh, uh, Sam Pittman needs a big win. Yeah. This would be a big win. They're two and uh, two and three right now. Own two in the SEC. If you could go in and you could knock off a, a Ole Miss team uh, in in Oxford this weekend after they just beat a beat an LSU team, this could be big for Arkansas. Kind of you know get get some more good favor going back towards Sam Pittman's way. And it just, you know, I, I hate it because I, I kind of like, you know, I like watching his offense. This feels like a, a game that, that uh, Lane Kiffin drops in, in these situations. They had a drunk game a couple years ago, and I forgot what the score was. It was like someone scored in like 30 seconds, and then someone else scored in 60 seconds, and it was – it was like it was like the Ole Miss LSU game, yeah. was, essentially, but it, but it was Ole Miss and Arkansas. So I think there'll be a lot of points on the board, but, man, I – I just think this is the beginning of the end for Pittman. I, I hate it. I, I think he's one of the most likable coaches out there, fits the program well, came in, gave him a jolt when they had absolutely nothing after Chad Morris. Uh, but I think they're going to be two and five here after two more weeks. They're going to lose this week and think they got Bama next week. So mm. uh, it, it's, a, it's an uphill climb for Arkansas. Final minute or two of the program today. Time to close it out with the nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw, Hard Seltzer, Brooks. What do we have? Uh, we'll start out in the movie world for you. Uh, your superhero pick for the evening, 6 o'clock FX, The Avengers, the original Avengers uh, from like 2010 or whatever year it was, 2009. So last decade ago. Yep. So there, uh, that's your superhero pick. It is spooky season. Uh, I, I usually go with the, the freeform pick of the night, whatever the, the, the kitty Halloween is. No, we're going to the adult side of things tonight. Please Six o'clock on Paramount. It is It, yes. the first chapter from just a couple years ago, 2017, I think it was. Uh, but It, 6 o'clock on Paramount Network tonight. Don't see any red balloons tonight, please. <laughs> please don't. Uh, women's college soccer action for you tonight at 6 o'clock on FS1. Uh, it's number 12, Georgetown visiting Xavier. Go Hoyas. Uh, also 6 o'clock on SEC Network. Auburn visits number 19, Alabama, the Iron Bowl of soccer is tonight up there. Like I said, 6 o'clock, the SEC Another Chick-fil-A Network. Iron Bowl. That, that's yeah. right. Uh, some preseason hockey action for you tonight. 6.30 on TNT. It's the Boston Bruins visiting the New York Rangers. Follow that up at 9 o'clock by the Colorado Avalanche visiting the Vegas Golden Knights. And then some college football action for you tonight. 7 o'clock on Big ESPN because there's no baseball tonight. Drew Carter, former uh, friend, or not former friend of the program. He's still a friend of the program, uh, but former uh, anchor out of W, uh, whatever it was, uh, up in <laughs> Birmingham, uh, he's at the Western CBS. Kentucky uh, and Louisiana Tech game uh, tonight. That's 7 o'clock on Big ESPN. Uh, you also have, I think, Sam Houston State taking on Liberty on CBS Sports Network at 6 o'clock. And that is your nightly TV guide brought to you by friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And uh, hope you have a great time out there at Siliconga tomorrow night. Borgard High School takes on Siliconga right here in Tiger 95.9. That's why you will not be here for the show. We look forward to hearing you on that. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Absolutely. And T.P. Hammock, thank you for rushing over here after class today. Hope you have a great rest of your week, sir. We'll see you again next week. Thank you, as always. That will do it for the program this afternoon. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.